What's up, nerds? And welcome back to your weekly movie review podcast. That's right, you're tuned in and locked into the 3FN Podcast. And of course, as always, we are coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. This week, we are going to be reviewing the brand new film, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. But before we get that far, I am your host, Rich, and the nerds are all here this week. Let's uh, introduce you to those fine folks. First of all, he is the man that just this past week found out that getting jerked off in the quantum realm feels really, really good. It's Ron. That's why I haven't been around, man. I, I stayed there the whole week, baby. Well, I, I thought you found the gooey guy who finally found hey. holes. Hey, listen. I don't think that's a spoiler. Hey, listen. It was great. It was fun. It was even voiced by uh, Dismulchin there. <laughs> there you go. So. Then, of course, the other man, the other nerd, he doesn't need an introduction. Yet, he has the longest introduction in all of podcasting. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you ha- uh, hashtag Big Natty Cool, hashtag Mad Dog Strong Style, hashtag Challenge Accepted, hashtag Diesel Malenko, because he's the man of a thousand and four hashtags. He is the leader of the Minnows Gang and is your favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster. He's the man, the myth, and the legend rolled into one jolly old ginger-bearded feller. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you Diesel. Hashtag he speaks with minnows. He speaks with minnows. <laughs> you, you do. You speak with a lot of things. And I, 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 I can't bring up some of them for legal purposes. Uh, no no crazy, uh, no, no Kevin Spacey-esque stuff, allegedly. Uh, we don't need to get sued like Pat McAfee by Bet Favre. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, so allegedly has to get thrown out a lot more these days, folks. <laughs> Just so any of our podcasting friends know, make sure you're dropping that allegedly whenever you have to allegedly. <laughs> and we're going to say extra ones just to cover all of us. So with that, though, uh, Ron, how's been the week? Uh, week's been all right. Can't really complain too much. Uh, not much really going on. Uh, had to miss Wednesday, my Wednesday group last week because we went and saw Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Uh, Thursday, we got to see Ant-Man and Wasps, which we'll be reviewing after this. Uh, and Friday in the weekend, I really didn't do much. <laughs> it's kind of hanging and banging. Yeah, had my dad's 70th birthday on Friday, so my sister and I took him out to dinner and did that. And it's really all we did. All right, Diesel, how's the week been? It's been busy. Working two jobs is starting to get a little old again. Uh, <laughs> had a... Had an early night Thursday because we went and saw Ant-Man, and Friday had an early night, and sorry, not sorry, I guess it was really busy here at Dragon Master Games, but after putting in a long week, I was dead. I was asleep by 9 o'clock that night. It was Look great. At you, going to bed at a grandparent time. <laughs> yep. uh, my weekend was uh, easy. I mean, obviously, obviously, we went to the movies, as you guys already brought up, but on top of that, I got to watch a lot of wrestling action. Of course, the internet melted for the Elimination Chamber, yes, which I thought was that. really good. Listen to 607 TWS to get the full-on review. We also watched the New Japan show the same night, and because it started later, uh, we were I didn't get home until like 3 a.m. On, on, on Sunday morning, technically, because Saturday night, Sunday morning. And so, as you know, I'm an old man. During no, Not because of the match. The match was phenomenal between Mercedes Moni and uh, Kyrie for the IWGP Women's World Championship, but that's when it started to hit me, and I was starting to nod <laughs> off. I had to stand up and get a bag of chips and eat stand while eating chips to kind of keep myself <laughs> awake because I felt myself falling asleep. And man, it reminded me of watching UFC fights. Of course, we are we're ordering our first UFC fight in a long time coming up on Saturday, March fourth, because that is the uh, debut of John Jones as a heavyweight. Yep. he's fighting for the heavyweight championship against uh, Gan. Yep. So we're gonna be we we're going to be watching that, so I'm like, fuck. I'm in for another long night. John, knock him out early, please. Just knock him out <laughs> I early. I like chips. 
Yes, everybody likes you. You're invited. There's an open no, no, invite. No, no, it's a joke. Yes, but uh, with that, <coughs> you know, I just had that. I had the little kid, the kid stuff. Ron's just trying to like blow your eardrums off for coffee, so we're sorry about that. <laughs> That's a microphone. It amplifies. <laughs> it blew my ears out. Sorry, <laughs> I don't. Hey, listen. I'm not trying. It happens. It happens. I've been. Why it's happening now? It hasn't happened all fucking day until I sat down here, and it's annoying the piss out of me. I bet. But you know what? It's okay. It's okay, Ron. I spent a month coughing. But you can hear me in the background. You still probably can hear it a little bit. Occasionally, so don't you fret. I'm just making jokes, and with that, that's going to bring us out of our personal lives. But before we can dive into the show, we have to, uh, you know, give you a couple of those shameless plugs and pay them bills, of course. If uh, you want to find out anything about the 3FN Podcast, whether it's our social medias or any links, visit 3FNPodcast.com. There you can find all the social media links for the show. You can find the Patreon link, patreon.com slash 3FNPodcast. For as little as $1 a month, you get a ton of extra bonus content, plus you help support everything we do here at 3FN Podcast slash 607 Podcast. Also, while you're at the website, check out the page for the 3FN Podcast where you can stream the show right from there. And also, there's a page for 607TWS where you can stream that show right from there as well and check out older episodes plus we have friends of the show like the odph podcast listed right there you can check them out and go over to their website right from 3fnpodcast.com as well as the t public link and more importantly our musical directory which features bands like shout at the robots whose song fail better you hear each and every week as the theme song for the 3FN Podcast. Go support them on YouTube Music, Bandcamp, and Spotify. Uh, trust me, we appreciate the support, so support them. And last but not least, while you're at the website, check out the sponsors page. You know, the sponsors who help bring this show to you commercial-free each and every week. But we're going to give them a quick shout-out. First of all, the main sponsor for 3FN Podcast, because they provide us with the 8122 Production Studios. That is Dragon Master Games. For all your Magic the Gathering and gaming needs, visit them on the World Wide Web. DragonMasterGames.com Also our good friends over at Rex to Rods Auto Detailing. If you're in the 607 and uh, need your car cleaned, what do you do, Diesel? You call 607-644-3389 And tell them the 3FN Podcast sent you and they'll get your car spiffy spiffy clean. Of course, also our good friends over at Sci-Fi Horror Fest, August 25th and 26th, 2023 at Vernon Downs Casino is where the action is. If you want to find out about all celebrity guests including Felissa Rose and much, much more or vendor spots or even to get tickets and everything else, visit their website, scifihorrorfest.com. And last but not least, we would like to thank the uh, energy drink of the 3FN podcast, Dubby Energy. D-U-B-B-Y.G-G is where you go to get Dubby Energy. While you're there, hit that promo code 3FNPOD. That's the number 3FNPOD for 10% off each and every time. Not just the first time. Each and every time you order Dubby Energy. So thank you, Dubby.GG, for being a sponsor. My W energy drink order is coming here on tomorrow. Yeah. Yes, you filled up that space where I get my breath. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I, I, that's my new thing. It's like, hey, get to there and I get yeah. to breathe a couple yeah. seconds. That came out of the necessity to breathe when I, just, I was sick. Also, Diesel was sick, so I had to do, even though he only does the smaller part now, <laughs> thankfully, believe it or not, that's a godsend when I get to go uh, in between when you're rattling off a ton of different things. But 
You guys didn't come here to hear us talk about our week. You didn't come here to hear us talk about W Energy and DragonMasterGames.com, although it's also nice. And you also didn't come here to hear us plug incessantly 3FNPodcast.com, which you should be visiting anyways. No, 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 no. See what I did there, all the shameless plugs? They'll never know. They'll never know. I, th- I think they did, though. I think I, they did come think, here for all that. I think they might have. But what you did come here for is us to kick off the show, and you know how we like to do that. We have to go visit... Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome to Diesel's movie Triple Stuff. We had a very big week in the box office, but coming in at number five with $4 million for its third week, Knock at the Cabin. Okay, uh, staying at, well, it moved up one because it was at number six last week. Uh, number four for its ninth week on the list, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, with another $5.3 million. Making all that money. Good for them. Uh, coming in at number three, kind of disappointing uh, release on two weeks, Magic Mike's Last Dance with another $5.5 million. Hey, at least it didn't drop to number six like <laughs> Knock at the Cabin last week. Still on the list, Avatar The Way of the Water with another $6.5 million for Mo- its 10th week. Mostly because Ron went to see it 22 times this week. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> And then making way too much money for what they put out, Ant-Man and the Wasp, <laughs> Quantumania, Whoa. with a domestic $105.5 million. Jesus, shots, shots fired. fired already. Shots fired. Holy crap. Diesel's He's like got watching a parade on a rooftop right there. <sighs> That's a big opening weekend for Quantumania, $105.5 million. A, I agree. Yeah, I agree. but still, it's middle of February, and you know it's a Marvel movie. Yeah. I was going to say, for a Marvel movie, that's yeah. pretty basic, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm calling it to beat it, beat that 105 mark. Coming out this week, February 24th, Cocaine Bear. I'm calling $106 million. <laughs> I, I mean, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I hope. I, I, I would hope, because I'm, I'm thinking big box office for that. There's a lot of buzz for that movie. Yeah. Also coming out this week, uh, Jesus Revolution, Mummies, and My Happy Ending. Okay. And then next week on March 3rd, uh, we have Creed 3, which is a big release. Uh, for you anime fans, Demon Slayer Kimitsu no Yaba. Yep. Uh, Sound of Silence. Demon Slayer, by the way. And Blueback. And a horror movie, Hunter Kill Her. Ooh. Well, I can tell you right now, the next two weeks of 3FN Movie Club is going to be Cocaine Bear next week and the week <laughs> after Creed 3. So there you guys have it. Those are your next two 3FN Movie Club reviews coming after this week's Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. But Diesel, now we need to hit him with that signature. What is this week's top three? Your top three favorite war movies. And it could be any war, and it could even be fictional wars. Top three favorite war movies. All right. So my number three spot, and I always get the n- movie, the name of the movie right but i think that i got it right this time uh the movie the gray zone that is with david arquette it is a movie about uh nazi uh, uh concentration camps and david arquette is amazing in this film if you've never seen it it'll get it it's a for david arquette he doesn't do a ton of serious roles but this is what makes you realize that man that yeah. motherfucker could act his ass off it's a great movie so i i really do suggest it for any of you who haven't seen it uh my number two war movie is going to be rambo that's right, First Blood, the original Rambo. Uh, there's some other movies in the franchise that I really do love. I do like the Rambo franchise, even when it gets cheesy, although there's a couple of the movies that are kind of, uh, yeah. but uh, First Blood was, uh, you know, dude, there's there's no better, like, 
how that franchise was launched with First Blood and where it ended up going is kind of weird to me and it always has been because that movie is such a drama filled yeah. movie and it's like this beautiful movie and like I said for the most part I like I like First Blood 2 uh, I do also you know like uh, Rambo the movie that was just called Rambo that was the one uh, of course where they were in uh, Myanmar I thought that that was really good as well and there's there's a, the, the last one was decent like for what it was it's yeah. a Rambo fucking movie I just need to see him kill people so I do like Rambo and number one man Saving Private Ryan I think that that is probably like when you look at a fucking war movie that is the definition of a great war movie so Saving Private Ryan might be a cop out but it is my overall number one D, uh, Ron you're up next alright this one's a little caveat uh, number three Kings of New York Ooh, gang war. Yep. yeah that so, counts um, number I'm gonna put uh, number two is Inglorious Bastards because it's just a retake telling yep. of what could have happened in World War Two. It's not exactly what happened, obviously, but it's fine. And then I'm going to put Fury at number one. Oh, okay, right. that was good. Good. Go ahead, Diesel. You're up. I think we're g- got nine separate answers this week. All right, for number three for me, I'm going with the Hurt Locker. Oh, Ooh, good movie. Good yeah, movie. Really enjoyed the Hurt Locker. Uh, number two, I'm going with my classic Vietnam movie. Everybody loves it. Full Metal Jacket. Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, gr- great work there. I love the soundtrack work on that movie yeah. as well. And then number one, it recently overtook uh, for me like as one of the most, like, it's a hard watch. It's a, you, you feel different after you watch it. Dunkirk. Dunkirk oh, yeah. was a really good movie. I did enjoy Dunkirk yeah. as well. And it's definitely, it's in the vein of uh, Saving Private yeah. Ryan. Not like in the, like the same, like, you don't have that beach scene. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people point to that, but it's got that really kind of war is real kind of feeling. Yeah. I, th- I thought you were going to go with Midway. Oh jeez! <laughs> don't get him! Don't get him started. We've, that was we've, a rough one. We, we don't want. We we're already going to run long always on the big reviews like this. So whew, we don't need to get him started on midway because that's going to be a whole another episode for another day. Maybe we'll maybe we'll get him started one day on Patreon for it. For Pearl. <laughs> okay, so still I got to ask you: Is this is it still is that better or worse than? Why did you say Martha? Oh, it's a lot worse. It's a lot worse. By the way, for the WWE fans, if you did not see the uh, Seth Rollins Joker parody for the WrestleMania commercial where you have Becky Lynch come yeah. up and Becky Lynch is uh, doing the the Batman, the Christian Bale Batman voice the whole time. It's pretty epic. Nice. I wanted you to see it because I, I kind of think you'll appreciate it more than most. But uh, uh, my favorite part of that was I'm going back to the man cave. Wait a minute. We have a man cave. I'm the man. It's my cave. <laughs> I was like, he's like, eh, she's not wrong. Nice. It, was, it was really funny. Yeah, but, no, it, uh, was good. it was a good spot. I digress. Bringing it back around 607 TWS for all that wrestling talk. But as soon as we exit Diesel's movie triple stuff, you know we have to enter right into. Welcome to Three Summers Movie Club. Refreshments are available in the lobby. And please, keep our theater clean by disposing of trash in specified containers. And remember, good certificates are available for any special occasion. Enjoy the show. That's right, we are entering the 3FN Movie Club Review, and this week we are reviewing the newest MCU movie, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. It's going to be a good time, as had by all, of course, 
for anybody who's new listening to the show or doesn't really know the format, thank you for, if you're new, thank you for listening. And for a reminder to everybody else, we do split the uh, movie club review into two sections, a spoiler-free section and a spoiler-full section. So you do not have to worry. If you have not seen Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, we are not going to spoil it because the first half of this will all be spoiler-free. We'll give you a spoiler-free synopsis. We'll talk about the stats of the film, who made the film, who's in the film. And then we will give our thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, or thumbs down recommendation for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania with a spoiler full reason why. Spoiler full, or sorry, spoiler free. Now I'm messing up. Reason why. And then, of course, we'll have a break. We'll be, after the break, when we come back, we'll give you one final warning because then we will go into the full spoiler review of the movie. So even though I can't get the words out, trust me, folks, we will not spoil the movie for you here. So if you haven't seen it, there's nothing to fret. You can still stay on. So Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I don't want to do that because my voice will go. <laughs> uh, just came out this past week. Two hours and five minutes is its runtime. Yeah, the opening weekend was a hundred and five million, well, one hundred five point five technically million dollars. It's full gross in the U.S. as you mentioned earlier. Rounded up was one hundred and twenty million dollars because they also they have to count Thursday after yeah. the fact. It's not counted on the weekend. However, gentlemen, I would like to have your guesses on the worldwide gross. I will give you this clue. It is more than two times the amount of the. Domestic box office guesses for the worldwide gross, starting with Diesel. I'll uh, we'll go two fifty. Two fifty. Ronald. Two sixty-five. You guys were both super low. Three hundred and fifty-nine point three million dollars. So I'm going to say this movie made its fucking money back. <laughs> I'm going to say that uh, that once again, so once good. once again. Ant-Man, uh, MCU is hitting a home run as far as the box office is concerned. That's not a big surprise to most people out there. Well, before we jump into talking about who made the movie and stuff, we got to find out what it was about. So, man, I got a story to tell. That's right. Uh, we're going to give you two synopsises from uh, IMDb, which are spoiler free. By the way, there's only two here, so I can't even pick from it. I just have two to pick from. We're going to see which one is better. So you guys ready to talk about which one's better? First one, Scott Lang and Hope Van Dyne, along with Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne, explore the quantum realm where they interact with strange creatures and embark on an adventure that goes beyond the limits of what they thought was possible. Our second one is when Scott Lang and Hope Van Dyne, along with Hope's parents, Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne, and Scott's daughter Cassie are accidentally sent to the quantum realm, they soon find themselves exploring the realm, interacting with strange new creatures. They're both super spoiler free and miss a lot of stuff. Uh, I would say the second is more accurate, but they didn't. It were it wasn't an accident, and the first one eh, that was like completely off. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm going <laughs> to actually 100% agree with you. Yes, I'm going to 100. Like they left off the one thing they did better in the second per version is they at least added Cassie in. Yeah, but it's like I get doing spoiler free, and that's why we go to IMDb because I can guarantee that at least a couple of them are going to be spoil free. But whew, whew, do better sometimes, folks. Do. Do, do do better better all right so now that we've gotten that out of the way we need to find out who made this movie who made this shit that's right who made this shit and of course let's start with the director of this film which would be peyton reed and peyton reed started his career man i'm going to tell you this this guy directed like before he ever did movies he was responsible for the back to the future animated tv series he was directing it he was also responsible for the weird owl show remember the weird yes. owl show yep. Yep. had 13 episodes in his runtime but he was responsible for that now are you ready to hear his first ever movie because you know you always like to give the first ever major movie bring it on 2000 
He did, he did bring it on. Underrated movie. You, 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 I know you're a fan. <laughs> yeah, of, this I is no lie. This, he's a fan of uh, Bring It On. He also would then, his next bigger, he took a while off of movies. His next big movie was The Breakup in 2006, okay. Vince Vaughn, Jennifer Aniston. And then Yes Man with uh, Jim Carrey in 2008. So, I mean, he's had some stuff. Of course, he also directed the first Ant-Man movie in 2015. And he also would uh, direct the sequel, Ant-Man and the Wasp, in 2018. So, he's done all the movies. And most recently, other than that, obviously, the brand new movie he did he has directed two episodes of the mandalorian so he seems to be in that disney family lots of disney uh, loves you a uh, lots of big stuff in there yeah of course uh we have to give a shout out here because we like to go with the writing credits but the first shout out goes to the creator of ant-man and that of course is the legendary comic writer jack kirby uh so big shout outs to jack kirby and uh obviously without him we wouldn't have a lot of projects yeah. that are coming out in that universe so i'm very excited to see him getting his uh, just do these days now the person who wrote the film uh, in, as the writer was Jeff Loveness. And Jeff Loveness is one of those weird uh, people that we've seen in writing on these before because he started his career after doing some shorts for the Onion News Network. <laughs> Remember, we've covered other people who did that. He is also one of those. Yeah. Uh, he also did the Primetime Emmy Awards. He's done the Oscars. He's directed those. He directed Jimmy Kimmel Live for 238 episodes. That's a hell of a yeah. run, right? And uh, this is the first movie he ever did. This is the first one, but if you uh, want to know where uh, some of his humor might come from, and it makes sense when you see this movie, he has direct. He has written six episodes of Rick and Morty. Yep. Okay. And by the way, I said directed. I meant wrote. So uh, refuse that. But it's kind of weird. We've ran into this more and more, where the people who are the writers are coming out of the onion yeah. so can we say the onion is producing the next level of like new fucking writers and directors yeah doing that dry as like satire is very good for when you want to like make it the leap to hollywood because it's creative stories yes. and it's hard oh i agree and yeah. it's just it's just kind of wild to yeah. think that a bunch of movies we've done and covered for many reasons have been from the onion so good on him man yep well, the person who was behind the director of photography for this film is a legend, by the way. His name is Bill Pope. And I understand that we, we give a shout outs to, to a lot of these guys and a lot of people don't remember who they are. And Bill Pope started his career doing music videos, like so many people who started in the late 1980s, early 90s. And he did for everybody from Peter Gabriel to Sting to Night Ranger. That's right, I said Night Ranger. Nice. And um, most, most importantly, he did the Metallica One video. Oh, nice. Remember right. the video for yes. one? Super yes. good video. So let's get into his first movie. His first movie that he was the director of photography was on was called, a movie called Death Doll in 1989 using his full name, William Pope. But then he started doing some crazy fucking great movies. Uh, here's a cult classic. In 1990, he did Dark Man. Oh, nice. Remember Dark Man? Yep. Uh, Diesel, you're going to love this. 1992, he was the cinematographer for Army of Darkness. Nice. Very nice. He filed that up in 93 with Fire in the Sky. Yep. Then yeah. he, oh, yeah. That was a really good movie. Yeah. Then he got, guess what? He got his first Disney paycheck because he's the director of photography for Blank Check in 1994. <laughs> oh, you nice. remember Blank Check? Uh, it's been making a comeback lately because of the meme of like him kissing the older woman and her like, them like date, uh, debating when he should come meet her again. He's yeah. like, uh, call me in 10 years. Five. All right, how about eight? <laughs> Blank Check was 
In the, I, it was ahead of its time. It yeah. was. It was. <laughs> it was before. It was before all the teachers started fucking students, yeah. or at least known about. Uh, he was also the DP. <laughs> I love it when I say it that way because it makes Diesel smile. Uh, he, it, clueless in 1995, which then you add into your smile, and it's even worse. Uh, I'm just throwing it out there because I was a fan of this movie, Gridlocked, in 1997 with Tupac Shakur. Yep. Uh, fucking phenomenal movie, underrated movie. And then he broke the mold, ladies and gentlemen. He is the man who brought to you the Matrix trilogy, the Matrix, yep. the Matrix. Re- uh, revisit the Matrix Reloaded and the Matrix Revelations and enter the Matrix on the video game. So he did all the original trilogy of the Matrix. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, in between there, he also did a movie that me and Ron keep bringing up whenever we see it and we have to review it sometime, Bedazzled. Yes. I think that's a sign from God. We keep getting people involved with Bedazzled. Uh, he also is the DP for Spider-Man 2, uh, Team America, World Police. And I know Diesel has a very soft spot in his heart for that. He was also uh, Spider-Man 3, The Spirit, yeah, the Sam L. Jackson one where he's a Nazi. Um, yeah. If you've never seen it, I suggest seeing it just for that reason. Trust me, you've been warned. Uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, uh, amongst other things, he did The World's End, which we we are big fans of that movie as well. So, I'd like, dude, as I go through it, he worked came back to Disney and worked with John Favreau on the Jungle Book. He was the DP for the Jungle Book, the live action one that they did. Alita Battle Angel, which I think is a way better movie than it got reviewed as. I mean, we never reviewed it. Maybe we'll go back and do it. Most recently, he has done a uh, Marvel movie because he was also the director of photography for Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. So he's definitely all into uh, the world of Disney and Marvel. Dude, Bill Pope. Pimp or not pimp? Illustrious career. (laughs) Dude, he's done so much great shit. And, like, think about it. That's where you started in the late 80s, early 90s. Music videos. And for the younger listeners, they used to have videos on MTV that were uh, done up for music videos. They're like mini movies. They call them shorts nowadays. Yes. Well, now that we know who made them movies, we got to find out who starred in the movie. For the love of God, will someone please punch me in the face so I can see some scars? Of course, the first man that comes up is the uh, tremendous Paul Rudd. He plays Scott Lang, and now that he's been Ant-Man, I can't see him as anything else. (laughs) He had like this real slow start to his career early on. If you know, we're gonna go over that in a second because we start out. But listen, be honest. Since he's been a big Marvel star, do you see him as anything but Paul Rudd? Like honestly, like you see, he's he's Scott Lang. He's in the MCU. His first ever, by the way, his first one of his first films that he was in as a short was when Picture Perfect was a short. That's what they ended yeah. up basing the Jay Moore Jennifer Aniston film on. Think about that for a minute. It was a short way back when, but his first major motion picture, you guys remember, was Clueless in 1995, followed by 1995's Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. That's a way to start your career. He was also in the uh, Romeo and Juliet in 1996, and of course, that was the one with DiCaprio. He played Dave Paris in it, so it was a smaller role. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's still in that movie. And then uh, he was in The Object of My Affection, one of my, as I've said before, my favorite chick flick of all time. He was in a movie I know Diesel loves, 200 Cigarettes. Um, Maybe he doesn't love the movie but he loves the name of the movie (laughs) he's like where do i get 200 cigarettes uh then he had like this weird like fall off where he did a bunch of like small movies and like a lot of stuff at home before making his return in 2004 in anchorman the legend of ron burgundy he would be in the sequel to anchorman as well because why the fuck not it was such a great movie and then he hit the run that was the start of his run of judd apatow films because he was in the 40 year old virgin he was in uh he would later on be in knocked up and then going further in uh, the, you know, 
dating over 40 or whatever the yeah. fucking movie is. He was in Walk Hard, The Dewey Cox Story. Like, I mean, I could just keep listing off name after name. Of course, he's been in every one of the Ant-Man movies, and most recently, other than being most recently in the newest Ant-Man film, his project that he did right before that was a little uh, podcast series called No No News is News. I'm joking. That He did do that, but he was in the Bob's Burger movie as Jericho. <laughs> so there you go. That is the the legendary Paul Rudd, and then we have Evangeline Lilly. She was, uh, of course, plays Hope Van Dyne. You remember her more for being in the Hobbit films. I'm not going to go through her whole filmography because I already took the dive on everybody else. So she, you know, she's been in all the Ant Man movies and she was in the Hobbit films. So you know Evangeline Lilly, and then of course the legendary Michael Douglas making his return to the Ant Man round playing Doctor Hank Pym. And what the fuck hasn't Michael yeah. Douglas been in? <laughs> It will take me longer to not. By the way, he's only got 64 credits, but I feel like he's been everything. But you remember him from Wall Street, Traffic, Fatal Attraction is where Diesel really remembers him <laughs> for. How much did you wear out that VHS, Diesel? Uh, pre-internet, you had to do what you had to do, and that included uh, Fatal Attraction on Rewind. <laughs> well, next up, we have playing Janet Van Dyne, the legendary Michelle Pfeiffer, and I mean legend, wait for it. Derry, you remember her from such great movies as Hairspray, uh, What Lies Beneath. Of course, then we have to go back in time to like her whole fucking uh, Batman. This is she was in Batman. Uh Returns uh, as the Catwoman. Hashtag my Catwoman. Eartha, in, in order, Eartha Kit, Michelle Pfeiffer. Just throwing out there. She's in a movie we'll be covering on 3FN Rewind over on uh, uh, the Patreon. And that, of course, is in December. Scarface, yep. as we all remember. She was in that as well. She's been in a ton of work. Michelle Pfeiffer is definitely a legendary actress. And it was kind of cool to see her in the MCU, especially teaming up with Michael Douglas. Uh, coming up next was uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the person we were all there at the movies to see, Jonathan Majors playing King the Conqueror. And, of course, he's playing every variation of King that we've seen on uh, Loki and going forward. So don't you fret. We're going to see a lot of more of Jonathan Majors. Majors, man, he's what Majors is my new it guy in Hollywood. I think I want Majors to play every person. When you look at uh, what he's most known for, uh, you know, you have white boy uh, Rick, which I don't know if you ever saw that, but it was really good good when we rise lovecraft countries where he really really made a name for himself he's now in everything by the way he went he took uh, like what he got and he's fucking running with the ball because in a row he's got this movie that just came out and less than a month later he's the main villain in creed 3 (laughs) so jonathan majors is working fucking everything haven't really seen the movie yet it doesn't mean he's a villain uh, well, I mean, that's what they're talking t- about. He is he is going to take over the role of, you know, I wish they would have made him Clubber Lang's son, because I think that would have made more. <coughs> didn't think about it, because that's kind of the Clubber Lang story yeah, they're going is. with. It is. So I don't know why they just didn't do the Clubber Lang uh, movie. Uh, next up, we have, uh, you know, playing uh, Cassie Lane, Catherine Newton, who's making the rounds, by the way. Uh, of course, she's uh, been in a couple of the MCU films, but you mostly know her from P- Detective Pikachu. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, most recently, Freaky, which I thought she was phenomenal yes. in with Vince Vaughn. And then uh, right before that, she did a movie called uh, the, the Map of Tiny Perfect Things. That's the last thing she did before she was in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. Next up, we're going to give out shout-outs to some of the smaller roles, but we have to give them shout-outs because we love them. And, of course, we're talking about Bill Murray. <laughs> he plays uh, Lloyd Kreiler. And Bill Murray, Ghostbusters, comes to mind right away, obviously. And he's been in Caddyshack, a million and a half yeah. other things. You, If you don't know who Bill Murray is, then I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you're, why you're listening to this. Turn it off. Go somewhere else. Because <laughs> does anybody not know who Bill Murray is? Uh, if they don't, they're missing out on a comic gold 
god <laughs> he is a comic god uh also shout outs to and i'm not going to give some of these people i'm not going to give them their whole like uh filmography but uh, shout outs because they have smaller roles i was a big fan of william jackson harper in this he plays quaz he's the psychic guy in this yep. movie uh katie m o'brien playing jintara i thought she did a phenomenal job as yes. well in this movie uh how do you i, I i'm going to leave it to you to say this because i've always get it wrong david dashmalian dismalchin dismalchin thank yeah, you this small chin dismalchin dismalchin it's exactly in a, in a podcast it's he played he played the new love interest yeah. of ron in this yeah. movie he found his holes and they were glorious and uh, of course, last but not least, we're gonna throw out shout outs to the homie Randall Park, who plays Jimmy Woo in yeah. the MCU. And I just, I always, he, very small role in this movie, but that doesn't mean I don't love seeing Jimmy Woo pop up on my screen. And so many more were in this film. So now that we've broken that down, it is time to give our spoiler free thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, or thumbs down with a spoiler free why. We're gonna start with Ron. What is your recommendation, spoiler free, for Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania, and why? All right, so this probably going to be different than later, but I'm going to give it a thumbs up because it is a Marvel movie. It is Ant-Man. If you enjoyed the other ones and you want to know where this story is going to go, you kind of need to see it, but it's there. Okay. Uh, Diesel? I'm going with the thumbs down. It might be Heresy, the 31st Marvel movie. There's been a few recently where it's I wouldn't say it's as bad as Eternals, but it's the worst thing they've put out since then. I say you can miss it. And you're not going to miss really anything that happens pushing the story forward. Diesel is the is the villain here, folks. Yeah. Oh. But you know what? This is going to be a first because we're going to all have different ones. Because believe it or not, mine's a thumbs in the middle, and here's why. Uh, this is not one of my favorite MCU movies. I'm going to say that. You're going to hear that in the spoiler full review. We're not going to talk about that here because obviously we don't want to spoil the movie. But it's not one of my favorite. It's not terrible. It is not the worst. It is just not my favorite. With that being said, though, if you are like us and a completionist and you see all these movies, then you're, it's a thumbs up because you're going to go see it anyways and you should go see it. it. But I'm just saying with the thumbs in the middle, you can even wait till it hits Disney Plus because uh, I'm sorry, I just didn't. The big screen didn't make it. I understand there's some people out there right now that are losing their shit because they love this movie, and that is perfectly fine. That's why everybody has their opinions and their takes. And it's not that ours is more important than anybody. If you have already seen it and you're going to listen to the second half, you'll find out exactly why we have these feelings. Uh, but yeah, I don't think it's something you have to rush out to see. So that's why it's going to be in the middle. Although I'm not upset. I'm going to be the first to say I'm not upset that I saw the film. I didn't think it was a tremendous waste of time. Uh, unlike some other films, <laughs> Eternals, uh, but uh, and uh, Morbius and uh, uh, and Venom. Uh, well, I, I got a little. Do I have I have seasonal allergies? I have seasonal allergies. I don't know what type. But with that. That is going to do it for the spoiler-free portion. We are going to take the break. When we come back from this break, we're going to jump into the spoiler-full review of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. What's up, nerds? Tyler Mack here from the 30 and Nerdy Podcast, the flagship show of Bad Cast Company Productions. Now, you are currently tuned in to my favorite three fat nerds, Rich, Ron, and Diesel. Our Nerd Council Brothers. After you're done with this amazing show, zoom on over to 30 and Nerdy Podcast wherever you cast your pod. Hit the subscribe button, give us a rating and a review, and check out 30andnerdypodcast.com. Cheers to you, nerds. Do I miss the action? Sometimes. Will I be there when the Avengers need me? Absolutely. I'd never turn my back on them. But right now, 
The only job I want is being a dad. I love you, Cassie. Thanks for being my hero. And I'm sorry I missed some birthdays. And for the rest of you kids out there, word of advice. Look out for the little guy. Of course, that is bringing us back to talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quadamania. And of course, like I said before, we did our spoiler-free duty. Now it is time to jump in to talk full-on spoilers about Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. You're going to get your final warning right now because we're going to play the spoiler alert. If you stay on after, you have already said that you don't care if we spoil this film, just to be clear. So the spoiler, we will be talking spoilers right about... Now we are talking spoilers. We're going to talk about the movie. I know we're going to kind of outline the movie a little bit, but uh, forgive me. I'm going to say, I guess this starts off as a negative. I don't remember every part of this movie. <laughs> and uh, usually I'm pretty good at this uh, coming in from Thursday, but I don't know if every part of this movie is meant to be memorable. No. And that is actually a positive and a negative because I think there was a lot of fun, cute things in this movie that didn't really count for anything. And I like the fact that they threw it in an Ant-Man. I'm going to give it that praise because Ant-Man at the end of the day has been their... Uh, you know, kind of their family franchise in the MCU. So I like the fact there were some people who were complaining that there was too much family dynamic and there was too much of the like kind of like little weird things. And I'm like, well, we knew we were getting into that. So I'm not really marking off Ant-Man for that. I, I, I think that there's too many people you know, out there doing that. But we already know through two Ant-Man films, this being the third, that this is the family franchise of the MCU. You shouldn't be expecting, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy or, you know, the Captain Americas, you know, where it's a little more adult or, you know, the Thor movies where the adult humor now since Ragnarok is running wild. This is the family franchise. So I get why this movie had a lot of that in it. So I promise you that will not be a complaint for me. I mean, some of the jokes didn't land, but once again, yeah. I, they weren't for me. I get it. I'm not going to complain about that. And if your opinion to complain about it is that, that's fine as well. It, I, it just didn't bother me as much because I knew what I was getting into. It's kind of like when we go see Shazam, Fury of the Gods coming up here soon. I'm going to expect there to be some family cheesiness. And if there's not, then I think that they've diverted off of the course yeah. of what the movie was about. So I'm at least giving this the kudos of, hey, you stayed in the lane of the Ant-Man yeah. series with this movie. So there is a lot of that in this movie, including the clip we played. So... Basically, we get introduced into the movie. We're going to kind of go through the outline and kind of spew off on what we liked and didn't like. But we basically get introduced to the movie as Ant-Man is walking down the street, having a wonderful day, having people wave to him and shake his hand. And he's noticing people with lunch pails and stuff. And he goes in to get coffee. And he's got this whole internal monologue about how <laughs> life has been great since, you know, they saved the world. And he was part of the Avengers. He's even uh, the all-time employee at Baskin-Robbins. <laughs> And he wrote a book. He wrote a book, which you got to kind of hear like what he was talking about. And he goes in the coffee shop and he's like, it's great to have the respect. And they don't take his money. And then as he leaves, the guy goes, I love you, Spider-Man. <laughs> For you know, the scene you saw in the trailer, which is kind of funny because he's just talking about how much respect everybody has. And they think he's Spider-Man. <laughs> so I'll give him credit there. That was, that was one of the funnier things that did land better than in the trailer yeah. in this movie. So they don't waste any fucking time in this film. That is a huge plus. Like what you see in the trailers of him walking down the streets and doing the monologue 
it happens really quick in this movie, and within what twenty minutes, we're in the quantum realm. I was yeah, I was gonna say because like fifteen, I think yeah. it might have been fifteen twenty when we're in the quantum realm. Because I'll say the first five minutes is like that kind of the monologue, and it's nice because it brings you up to speed. Yep. They did found a fun way to bring you up to speed of what's been happening with the Pims and and with Scott since Endgame. You know what I mean? So because we haven't seen Ant Man since Endgame, really. yep. so they're they're kind of filling you in. They do it in five minutes, and they do it in a fun way. Yep. I, I give them all the credit in the world yep. for that. That was one of my definitely positives. And then they go to the scene. We all were confused about the scene, of course, with Cassie in jail. We had seen it like, what did they ask with the time? No, no, no. Cassie goes to jail, and they have to pick her up because she's feels bad for the little guy so she's been protesting and she's fighting the the injustices and they get, they finally give a dynamic and I do like this dynamic by the way is uh, including her giving back the mini police car yeah. <laughs> she shrunk one of their police cars and gave it back to him it's toy size and she's in the backseat of the car and we're starting to find out things that Scotty don't know. <laughs> we, they should have played Scotty don't know. Yeah. <laughs> don't tell Scotty. Uh, so she basically is like, you know, hey, you know, you used to stand up for things and now, well, no, I wrote a book now and, and I'm and it's like, yeah, but you need to stand up for things and da 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 Well, I just want to be a family man and all that stuff and, you know, you then kind of find out because they let it slip that she has a suit. We don't see the suit right away, but she has a suit. She has Pym Tech. You're just like, what the fuck is going on? And of course, at least to a comedy break because we end up with the uh, audiobook playing and he turns on the car radio. Yeah. He's, are you listening to your own audiobook? I know. I don't know how it got there. It's a radio. <laughs> it's just a radio. I don't know. It must be on the radio. So they, they we finally find, uh, they go back to the house and we get Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne and uh, they're all having, you know, going to have dinner. Of course, Hank's got to cheap out on it and get the tiniest pizza of all time, but then he enlarges it because, you know, it's it's Hank. I saved $8. I, I love, yeah, I love his explanation. I saved eight bucks. <laughs> How much that tech costs to like make it bigger? I don't know, but eight bucks. The the crux of the entire end game was they had to go get more pim particles back in time to make sure they can get back there with everything. And he's just using it upsize his pizza. What the <laughs> fuck? Of course, he got to sometimes. Hey, they have all the pim particles now because he's there. Yeah. Uh, so that we then find out that uh, Cassie is that was her first time in jail. She got bailed out by Grandpa Hank, yep. as he calls, as she calls him. And it was Grandpa? funny. Like, how many people? How, how many times are you guys not telling me about things going on in this house? Scott's on this whole like, you know, after two movies, he's the adult. Yeah. Which I thought that was an interesting uh, dichotomy. Yes. I actually like that. The fact that you know we saw him in the first movie and he's very immature. And that carries over into the second movie. And now all of a sudden, this is a very mature uh, Scott Lang. Yeah. And it's kind of weird to see, but it's kind of a nice role reversal. And then we find out, and like you said, doesn't waste any time. We're 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes tops into this movie. And we find out that uh, Cassie's pretty smart. And, and, and Grandpa Hank has been helping her out. And they've created something. <laughs> and then we also find out what the ants have been up to. The ants are uh, they are creating their own tech. Yeah. Uh, they are pretty much a advanced civilization yeah, already. He's like, he's a like they're, two, already a, a type two civilization. they're already a, they're already a type two civilization. They're going to overtake us soon. Like just from being in yeah, their little ant world. Oh, it gets better at the end. But yeah. like th yeah, that's a little tease. Yeah, because we're we're type two too, but they were moving them type three. If you go down that rabbit hole, yeah, 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 <laughs> we're we're getting close to type three. Yeah, they were at the beginnings of type two, so yeah. it's kind of like they're going to overtake us soon. It's kind of his like little line in their little ant hill, which does come to play later on. So next thing you know, we find out what she's been working on, and what is that diesel? That she is able to view into the quantum realm by sending in essentially a sonar signals and having it bounce back to watch Janet Van Dyne. Throws a hissy fit. You're sending a signal down there? And no foreshadowing. Immediate. 
we're going to the quantum realm. Well, well first it turned they turned yeah. it off, but then Too it, late. Turned, it turned back on and it sucks them in. And and we we're off to the races. I'm gonna say this. This is gonna start one of the things that we're gonna go on a sidetrack. That's why we probably won't go in complete order. But this is the start of part of the movie that I did not like. And that is this whole Janet Van Dyne knows something. They're in trouble now. Because they're in the they're in the quantum realm. They're in trouble. And she still is not willing to tell them shit. Yep. It takes another like half hour, 45 minutes of this movie before she fills anybody in about anything. Now, mind you, if she would have at least said in the in on Earth at some point in juncture to Hank or anybody said, hey, uh, the reason I don't talk about the quantum realm is there's some bad shit there. Maybe they wouldn't have gone mapping the quantum realm. Yeah. I'm just going to say... She just didn't want to share that she got some side while she was in the quantum realm. Do you think that that's really what it was? Yeah, she, she didn't want to share. Because like, with her, when she got found, there was nobody else around. So, you know, Hank's like, oh, she was only devoted to me, but she was getting some side. Well, we, fi- we do find that out. Skipping ahead a little bit, we're going to go back. But skipping ahead a little bit, when we meet Bill Murray, we found out they were more than friends. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> she has needs. Secret lovers. <laughs> I don't know why you want to be a lover of Bill Murray, but okay. I, I, I mean, there's better options. Broccoli head. Well, here's the thing. She was also stuck with Kang for a little bit. Yeah. That, and, and and she never brings up that they bombed Chicken Womp Womp. So I'm pretty sure they did. I, I hope they did because if she's willing to fuck old Bill Murray, she should be uh, getting that Jonathan Majors. Look at him. Just look at him. He's a stud. He's a fucking stud. But anyways, we get to the quantum realm and they get separated. You know, on one end, you have, you know, Janet Van, you know, you have the Van Dynes slash Pims. And on the other end, you have the Langs. I love how they broke down and, yeah. you know, how that was. And there, you know, the Van Dyne slash Pim party ends up meeting people that just so happen. Like, they're walking at the same time. It just so happened to meet people who know Janet, yeah. which once again is like plot armor to the next fucking level. But I get it. I'm not complaining. Not only that. But you were in the quantum realm. You come back. It's a horrible down there. Why did you never say there are humanoid type creatures down there yeah, exactly. among other type creatures? Oh, yeah. You heinous bitch. You should have said something. Once again, it goes back to <laughs> one of the things that I really yeah. did not like about this movie is that this is just a horrible like plot device. So the funner side of this is, and I know funner is not a word, but I don't care. It's my show. I can say what I want. <laughs> so uh, the other side of this is that we have the Langs, and they get taken captive by some alien beings. Some look uh, human. Some do not. And uh, as they get taken captive, they can't understand them until they drink what, Diesel? Drink the ooze. ooze. And drink what do we find? What drink? The and mind ooze. you, mind you, Cassie's like, drink the ooze, Dad. She's even in on it. Oh, she was all about it. Do, what do we find out the ooze is? The ooze is part of the character voiced by David Desmalchin, who um, once he drinks the ooze, ask him, "How many holes do you have?" <laughs> yes, Veb. And as soon as you drink Veb's ooze, you can actually understand. Any alien. By the way, they were serving that at the bar, too, which is kind of... Yeah. I don't know if it's from all from Veb or from just... That species. species. Species like him. Uh, th- I actually did enjoy this because if you're in the quantum realm, there's different races of intelligent beings. You're not going to understand the language. They're obviously not going to be speaking English. So it's a quick little... It is plot yeah. armor, but a quick way to just be like, hey, here we go. By the way, we don't have your technology. You can understand us now. By the way, I'm agreeing with you. I think that's the best way. And yeah, I'm not even going to call it plot armor because it just moves the story by so much quicker to be like, hey, we have a way that everybody can understand each other. Yep. Yes. They don't have to talk about the science. It doesn't matter. And one of my few likes, when we're with the Langs in the quantum realm, 
if you ever wanted a live action Rick and Morty TV show or movie, this is it. Like the yeah. way they filmed it, you can tell that there was influences from Rick and Morty with the side characters and how things move around in there and the comedy that they use. It was very all right. This is one of the few like shining points that I held on to for most of the movie. Like, all right, I'm watching live Rick and Morty. Yeah, and, and I really want to point this out. That's why I made the comment about hey, makes a lot of sense when we talked about Jeff Loveness yeah. writing episodes of Rick and Morty yeah. because hey, he basically has like Rick and Morty as things in it, yeah. which I have no problems with either. Yep. I, I thought yep. that it was very good. I love the care. I love the alien characters. I thought they were done well. I would have liked to see more of them mm-hmm. because I think in a lot of ways they were the more entertaining ones. Yeah, like in in just my you know yeah. personal preference but of course we keep hearing about somebody referred to as only him the entire time him he he or him nobody talks his name even with janet gets her little flying alien that yeah. takes her to this place where they're gonna meet up with uh lord kryler who wasn't a lord when she left and now is a lord which should have been a big fucking red flag obviously nobody saw star wars in the uh <laughs> yeah. in the in the quantum marvel realm. universe in the quantum uh, realm well not even quantum realm but i'm talking about in the marvel universe because think about it you know the van dynes and the pims are all in the real world they should have seen star wars and when you hear somebody called lord kyler and he wasn't a lord before guess what he done sold you to fuck out. That's, he done sold you out. Spider-Man wasn't there. He's and the it, only one that watched Empire Strikes Back. True. And at this point where I'm watching this movie, I'm starting to realize for a movie called Ant-Man and the Wasp, the Wasp character, as great as Evangeline Lilly is, does nothing in this movie except whine, Mom, what aren't you telling us? That's her only point to this movie. Yeah, and then at the end of the movie, we'll get to that yeah. when we get there. But yeah, they, 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 I agree with you. So as much as I'm annoyed by the fact that one of the plot devices of this movie is literally at any any time in this entire thing, you know, Janet Van Dyne can just spill her guts yeah. and go, hey. She doesn't want to beat Sharon that she was getting some side. But it isn't even just that. Even if they explained that, that would be fine. But even then, after we find out she got side, it still takes her another 10 minutes to explain who he is because they keep referring to him as he or him. Well, it's funny because once we get to this point where she meets up with her old friend, Lord Kryler, they both admit to, hey, when you were gone, when I was gone, yeah, I had needs. Yeah, I, I was seeing a woman for a while. It didn't work out. Oh, what was her name? So, also, the relationship, they were just completely brutally honest at this point, and they're both just fine with it. Yeah. yeah. She was like, all right, so we can gloss over that. We're not going to have any family issues with this. We, we both understand. We're good. So, it blows your uh, your your whole th- philosophy, Ron. And I'm not saying I, I, your philosophy would be great if there wasn't that scene, as Diesel just pointed out. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. It, it would have been That would have been the way to go. She was hiding infidelity. I, I, I agree. However, they kind of blew it out of the water. Yeah. Well, because well, it's a Disney movie, so they don't want to have it. So, well, that happens, and we find out that Lloyd, Lord Kryler has turned them in to him at this point, because we don't know who him is. Then they steal a ship, Lord Kryler's ship, after unleashing Pym Particles on a little tiny squid-looking thing that then becomes <laughs> that a gigantic was, squid thingy. That he was eating. That he was eating, and then, uh, you know what's funny? That ended up eating him. Yep. Sometimes you eat something, sometimes it eats There's you. There's always a bigger fish. There's yeah. always a bigger fish. So, at the same time this is happening, we learn that the reason why the person who was in charge of all the... Uh, I, I, I kind of say that she's the warrior princess, if you will, stealing yeah. a little bit, Gentara, and she's in charge of like pretty much this alien community who are all living outside of his, keep saying it, because that's what they're going to say, uh, jurisdiction, is she's like, these people are bad news, he's going to send people. And as soon as they say that, of course, 
here comes the troops. And basically, I want to point out, once again, borrowing way too much from Star Wars, in my opinion. And I think this is one of my other things I didn't like. His things are bas- they're basically fucking stormtroopers. They have the aim of stormtroopers. Yep. Mm-hmm. They have the they have the uh, intelligence of stormtroopers. And I'm not talking the bad batch. I'm talking regular stormtroopers. And yeah, but that's where we finally get to see who Diesel. We get to see the debut of a mechan- mechanized organism designed only for killing. Modok. And I love the first thing Scott Lang says before, like before they find out who it is. He's like, "Wouldn't that be like Modok?" because <laughs> there should be an F in there right and then he's like oh he's full of jokes and he's like do I know you and that's when we get the reveal that it is Darren <laughs> Darren from the first Ant-Man movie Yellow Jacket I like I liked that callback though I, I did, did enjoy the callback um, so we just have a giant face he, we find out he's been reborn rebuilt because he got sent down to the quantum realm when he you know disappeared it was actually him going to the quantum realm and just being like annihilated in his suit but he fixed him. Yes, he fixed him, and he made him into Modok. And on top of making him into Modok, saved his life. So it's kind of almost once again a Star Wars analogy, kind of Darth Vader esque. Darth, Darth yeah. Vader esque, but with tiny legs and, <laughs> and a big giant face that's covered by a mask sometimes and sometimes yeah. not. And uh, I just love how the fact he's like, I'm not Darren, I'm Modok. He's 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 pissed off. He's yeah. he's, he's, he's mind you, I have little legs too. I, I do want to give a shout out. Did you see his tiny little buttocks when they put <laughs> yes. him in the thing? That was yes. kind of funny. <laughs> but anyway. I digress. Uh, so, of course, Modok does not do what he's designed for and kill uh, because the Langs get away kind of before getting captured and taken to the city where it just so happens that is where uh, the Van Dyne slash Pym company is going because at this point in juncture, they go, oh, now she wants to talk about fucking Kang. <laughs> well, right before that, too, we, we get introduced to Cassie in her suit, and we learn that she is not, like, well-versed. Remember, Scott Lang had the full Ant-Man movie to, you know, learn how to do do everything in the suit, how to, you know, jump and attack and resize as you're punching. Cassie is horrible in the suit. She's learning, but she does not have it, and I don't understand why Grandpa Hank let her have that suit without actually training her. That's good points. And there's been plenty of time to train. Plenty of time. So now we get to the point where Janet is now spilling her beans about Kang <laughs> and about how there is a guy that got say, you know, landed on the planet and she helped him and as she was fixing his shit, she learned that uh yeah, his intentions were not pure. Yeah. And he's destroyed many of worlds and many of universes and many of timelines and just wiped them out. So she did, you know, she hooked up pin particles to his tech and made it so he couldn't leave that place. Yep. Even if it caused her to never be able to leave herself. And of course, then she got saved later on. But once again, why she didn't have to go into details, but why she could never tell even her husband that, hey, the reason I don't like you talking about the quantum realm, because she gets eerie about it every time they talk about it. The reason I don't like you talking about the quantum realm is simply because, hey, there's some bad shit there. Yeah. So don't fuck with it because you don't want what's coming. There, never, never says that. There's a great evil down there. Do not go to the quantum realm. Eh, I do what I want. In fact, I do what I want. <laughs> do what I but, want. But they, to be fair, they were never forewarned that there was something coming. Yeah. They were just like, oh, well, yeah, yeah. You know, she just doesn't like it when we talk about it. So we just do it behind her back. Yeah. So 
at the same time, we got Cassie and Scott uh, in cells, and now we get to see in real time Kang because first Modoc comes back and says about how he's the one that set the pings because yep. uh, he knows what he's doing. But thank you, thank you for your tech. And then Kang comes around the corner. So this is our first time seeing him in the flesh. We do see him in the flashback from yes. Janet Van Dyne, but this is the first time seeing him in the actual Kang, Kang get up. Yeah. He is Kang. And he comes around the corner and he basically says to Scott Lang, listen, you have a problem and I have a problem. But th- here's the thing. I, you know, I, I, I kind of need your help. And of course, this is where we get the valley of, and, it, and so what we saw in that original uh, teaser footage from San Diego was real because he goes, you know, something, he, he knows his name, he knows he's Scott, he knows he's also Ant-Man. And he's like, I won't do this for you because I'm an Avenger. And he goes, wait, have, have I killed you before? <laughs> and he's like, are you the one with the hammer? So there's <laughs> foreshadowing that Kang kills Thor, yeah. which once again, this is another thing I have a problem in this movie. We'll get to after it's over. There's some of the foreshadowing things that I think that they tipped their hand about things that I didn't want them tipping their hand about so fucking early. But uh, in this process, he basically says, well, see, here's the deal. You can either help me and I have the one thing you want is time. I can send you back and I can you can open that door and you can be there just like he said to Janet. You can be there and you can be a father to your daughter and uh, no harm will come to you. Or I can just kill you now. And that's where he does the whole fucking force grab. That's right. More Star Wars stuff. Yes. I, am I lying? This is a fucking Star As a Star Wars fan, I'm like, fuck, they are just ripping off. Now, God, mind you, it is owned by Disney, so I guess they have leeway. And they, it wasn't the force. It was he has tech. He has futuristic tech. So we, he was kind of like playing with his like arms. Yeah, because he has no real power, I understand. Yeah. But still, it still does it not look like a force yeah, grab? It was a force joke. And then he fucking force grabs Cassie, and, and that's what gets Scott to, you know, don't leave my daughter alone, and I'll do whatever you want. So what they need him to do is what, Diesel? Alright, they've already shrunken down. They've gone to the quantum realm. You know what you gotta do? You gotta jump the shark and shrink again. <laughs> and shrink a lot more. He has to shrink, I think it's like six or seven times in a row. Yeah. Yeah. At some point, you're going to hit the plank scale, and you can't shrink anymore. But, you know, whatever. Physics. <laughs> but, but I think they were kind of mentioning that, because they were saying as soon as you get to a certain size, you can't do anymore, and your mind's going to start fucking with you. Yeah. Yes. So, And that's where we get the millions of fucking Ant-Mans, because every decision you think about, you get a new Ant-Man or a new Probability anything. realm. Right, yeah. So everything is there. And all they have to do is get to get a pin particle onto the thing to, to make the what is now a giant ball into a small ball again so he can put it in his machinery so he can then travel through time and continue his conquering ways pretty much but you know he's his promise is that i will send you and your daughter back so in the meantime it now becomes a race because they figure out oh man we need to go there even though they don't have scott or cassie but that's we need to make sure that's protected over anything else so and the, the 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 van dyne slash pim party is on their way to the same place where this giant fucking mechanism is and then of course hope as the wasp jumps in and does the same thing well in the meantime the fun scene it was a fun scene having all the fucking ant man it, it was until it, was, it wasn't. Yes, <laughs> I agree with you. I think it went too far. Yeah, yeah. Because it was a fun thing, especially when we have like Baskin Robbins, fucking uh, Scott Lang show up, just and, randomly show up and be like. And then, then, <laughs> then the, I love the callback to the movie Multiplicity, pretty yeah. much where there's some of them are stupid. Yeah. So like they just die even after watching other ones die because they're just not smart. And then we get to the point where the, he gets buried by. That's where I think it went to. Yeah, like, because jump the shark. Like, so he's caught in this uh, probability storm. There's all these other ones, and he's starting to sink into them. Like, and then all of a sudden, you know, his love for his daughter 
all the other possibilities are just lift well, him up. Well, I was gonna say yeah. they hear her voice on his his transmitter. Yeah, and then they're like, "Oh, he's doing it for Cassie. He's doing it for Cassie, guys. Get him up there!" And then they all start working together. Yeah, yeah. and then he still comes shoved short because one one pin particle ain't gonna do it. And that's when the wasp saves the day. But the wasp <laughs> somehow, even though she has more probabilities, she ignores them fuckers <laughs> for whatever reason, and they don't explain why. She is able to just come in there and grab him out of all that. Going through her own shit with her own possibility, probability storm, and yet it's just, they just write it off as, Oop, here we go, one shot, got it. So then <laughs> they get they get the job done because they both start firing a shit ton of pin particles at it. It finally shrinks. They go back to the realm where everybody is. Scott gets in, of course, instantly. Janet's like, nope, you can't give that to him. And he's like, but he has Cassie. I need to give this to him. And there's this argument breaks out, and here comes Kang. And Kang's like, listen, we had a deal. You give it to me and whatever. You shouldn't listen to Janet. She's got a lot of secrets you don't know about. And I know about. And she did a lot of things. And maybe I'm not a good person, but she's not a good person either. So I think he's alluding that there's other things we don't know about Janet. So all these fucking secrets. When is she just going to dump the secret bank? Because that would be fucking awesome. So there's a little family quarrel over whether he should give that to him or not. And in the meantime, Kane's like, you know what? Fuck it. And just takes it, force grabs it. (laughs) And it's like, how fucking dumb are you people? And so later on, and this is another thing that bothered me later on, Scott's pissed because we had a deal and you broke the deal. Well, technically he didn't because you were supposed to give it to him. You didn't give it to him. He had to take it from you. So therefore you kind of fucking broke the deal. Yes. Scott broke the deal, not Kane, which is a weird thing to say, but it's true. Yeah. So I, I don't think he has a leg to stand on as that fucking Kang broke the deal. And even if even if he did break the deal, I don't care if Kang has honor or not. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's not supposed to have honor. Yeah. Let's be honest. So because he doesn't have any honor, he takes Janet and he leaves the other motherfuckers to fend for themselves. He's like, oh, they'll figure out a way to survive. And mind you, there's all sorts of fucking alien, like crazy alien things on this planet. And it looks like... Uh, Hank Pym, Hope Van Dyne, and Scott Lang, because Cassie and uh, Janet are now with King, uh, are going to meet their demise by these alien creatures. And it looks like it's coming to the end. And then all of a sudden, what happens, Diesel? Yeah. Actually, I should say Ron, because this is Ron's favorite part. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. It's like everybody shows up. <laughs> well, that's when all the ants come. Oh, the ants, <laughs> the ants come. Yeah. And our explanation we learned about the ants is when they fell through to the quantum realm, they somehow took a sub journey that took them 10,000 years. Like they were gone for 10,000 years, but it only seemed like a few minutes for us. But they were gone for 10,000 yeah. years, and now they're a level five or tier five being. Type five. Or type five. And they're, and they're so smart, and that's how they found us because they came back because they're loyal to me, as my Hank said. Yeah. That's why I love ants. He has a little bit too much love for ants. <laughs> and, uh, Hank has been wearing you know his earpiece the entire time they're down there, and he's like, they did a horrible job showing that he kept hearing rumblings of this yeah. because when yes I, I when they get that. to the bar you know it shows him like listening and not understanding what's being heard but that was before he drank the ooze before he could understand so it was like a bad way to yeah. try to show Probably. him communic or hearing the ants yeah because they were trying to communicate with him the whole entire time and he does it like three times and you're like all right so it's the ants that you already know are there yeah because they, they got they, sucked in the they same got time. sucked in the same time you see them it just they went left they went right yeah. 
So. But yeah, so we end up with the ants saving the day, and of course now we're going to go. Now we're going to the third act. Let's yeah. be honest. So we're going to Kang City, where he's preparing the city as a whole to travel through time and conquer, because yeah. that's what he does. The name is Kang the Conqueror, not Kang. That I sit around and wait for things to happen. <laughs> not Kang. I you know sometimes I conquer. Sometimes I just like to watch American football. No, no, it's Kang the Conqueror. So he needs to conquer. But here's my biggest problem. With this whole scenario, this whole time, and this is where I think that they dropped the ball and they could have brought in some of the comic book, uh, you know, identity to this character because I think it would. this is where we could have started making it better than the decisions they made. And once again, I understand this, the MCU is not a comic book. I've said that a million times, but when there's a better story out there, I think that you have to tell that story, right? Yeah. Here's the thing. They never give us a real reason why he keeps Janet alive, why he's not, you know, torturing Janet. Janet is freely walking around his control center. Well, he talks to her and asks her, you know, I've always wondered what you saw when you were inside my mind. Because when she touched that thing, it gave her a link to his mind. And so she tells him and then he's like, oh, interesting. Like he's not phased by it. He's not phased, whatever. And then he just kind of like nonchalantly tells her, this is what I have to do. You don't understand. This is what I have to do because there's all these timelines and they've bastardized the timelines. And if I don't bring them together, bad things are going to happen. So kind of like uh, we heard in Loki season one. A prelude to he who remains. Yes. So he's kind of like going with this whole situation. So then she turns around and doesn't, you know, she's kind of fighting back at him. It's fine, but the whole time Cassie was originally locked up and gets out, and Janet's just like walking around freely. Now, mind you, we get paid through a part of this movie where he hates Janet, wants his fucking tech back, and he's got a bounty on her head. But yet, he gets it back, and you can further walk around. That's where I'm saying they could have borrowed. So, in the comic books, the Ravona character, who we know from Loki, was the love interest of Kang. Yes. So, why didn't they, and that wasn't in this series, but why didn't they just do where she goes, oh, Okay, the love interest is actually Janet Van Dyne. There was something. We know there was something with Bill Murray. There was some love interest between her and Kang. And Kang still is holding the uh, flag for her, if yeah. you will. So, she, Or torch for her, I should say. That's the older saying. Uh, for her. So, therefore, that is why he allows his love for her to kind of what's the word cloud his decision making yeah. because he makes a couple questionable decisions in this moment and there's no reason why if you don't tell that story and that's the only reason I'm like maybe you should have told that part of the story just yeah. because it would play a part because when Cassie gets free and she goes back and she breaks out the prisoners and they're like we're gonna fucking revolt is at the same exact time <laughs> coincidentally that Kang is on the his, his little broadcasting and is like telling his troops we're getting ready to go conquer pretty much yes. I'm not gonna give you the whole he has this whole big speech it's almost like the independence day speech yeah. it's not the same words but it's kind of that feel or that's what they want you to feel yeah and he's then, created an empire and when he uses his tech he's taking his empire with him to make it easier to conquer and much like the hackers back in the 1980s to wgn that put uh, max hedrum on the uh, air uh we get cassie taking over the airwaves and at first i think this is the mo- i don't know and i get it she's a teenage girl and it's you know it's got to be hard for her but she's just like uh, by, by, by the way, did I say it? Like, mind you, this is all on air. They don't show you that part, but you know she's on air because they stole the signal. Yeah. And she basically then makes this heartfelt plea. Hey, everybody get to the tower. We're taking this shit back. Fuck Kang, pretty much. You know what I mean? And then all the rebels are coming because, you know, now all of them are free. And then the rebels from other places are coming. And we're getting this, going to get this epic battle, which we do get. In the meantime, Ant-Man decides to blow him up giant man size. And just start yelling to Kang about how you made me, a, how you made a fucking deal, and you welched on that deal. Yeah. 
So now I'm coming for you, bitch. Now I'm coming. And it's it's crazy because then the cavalry shows up in time. We end up with a big fucking battle. And in the in the process of all of this, somehow Janet ends up with the fucking thing again. Yep. So she first is the first one to end up with it before it gets passed around. And you're just like, fucking Kang. If he would have had her locked in a cell somewhere, she would have been with Cassie, so she wouldn't have had access to that. But no, the plot armor. <laughs> and at this For point, no reason. And at this point, too, we also have Modoc sent to kill Cassie Lang. Yes. Right. And he can't get that done. Once again, designed for killing. My ass. And I don't know because we don't get the full backstory of Modoc and like, is he successful at it? Or is he a bumbling fool anytime he tries to kill something? But the chick who doesn't even know how to jump and punch and turn it full size at the right time has zero problem with just fucking Modoc up. And then after she fucks him up, he's sitting there and she just goes, just stop being a dick. That is her. That is her. That is the epiphany that sends Darren back to being Darren. Because of course, and when the shit's on the line and it looks like Ant-Man's going to get his, Darren saves the fucking day. Yeah. And, of course, call me Darren! <laughs> I mean, I know I skipped a couple things, yeah. but then he yeah, crashes and burns. And, yeah. and we do get a fun line. I'll give him credit because he's like, at least I get to die an Avenger. And Scott's like, oh, okay, I guess you could be an Avenger. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, it was yeah. kind of funny. But in the meantime, Kang comes down. And this is the badass part. I, but I'm on a, I can't understate this. No matter how this movie is written and my problems with this movie, Jonathan Majors is fucking amazing. Jonathan Majors, I thought he was amazing. I thought he played a great Kang. I mean, part of his problems in the movie are script writing, not how he delivered the lines. I wanted a a little more charismatic, like He Who Remains and Loki, the last episode. Like, I think that was a better portrayal of Kang. Like, this one, because of the Janet stuff, like, there was too many leaps that you have to make in your own head. Yeah. Where it was like, it's not against Majors himself, but, like, it wasn't. I think he could have had a stronger performance if he had stronger material. But I'm just going to say that that I don't put that on him. Yeah. I think he did a great job. And here's the thing. I think him playing it reserved was him probably reading. Because we all were assuming this version of Kang, yeah, we're going to get there, is the version of Kang. The the main version of Kang. Not like the Council of Kangs. Yeah. Not the fucking, the main version of Kang. From comic book lore and how all that goes down. And I can oversimplify it later on and I'm going to. But we thought that was the Kang. And I think he probably took... Inspiration from that Kang, hence knowing that there's a love story, knowing that uh, he's he's got this hard on for the Avengers who defeated him, and it is heavily alluded. And they don't say that it's the Avengers, but they say they put us there, they exiled us here, and it's heavily alluded that it's the Avengers because if you've read comic books, I'm sure they're still going with that. So newsflash, I can tell you how Secret Wars ends. But <laughs> anyways, uh, when you get to this point in juncture. I think that all of that writing was a mistake because once again, if you would have added the love interest of, if you would have just put it in the fucking script, then all of a sudden that portion yeah. makes sense. If you would have put in the script of a couple other things, that makes sense. If when he said he was an Avenger, he had, doesn't just give you the, did I have, I killed you? Or are you the one yeah. with the hammer? He gives you, I fucking hate the Avengers. Something to that extent, something, anything. But once again, that's shit that they left out of the script. I still think he did a great job. Yeah. And I liked how he's acted as the other variants. And we're going to continue to see that, obviously. We're getting into that in a second. But when he comes down, let's be honest. The best part about this is when he starts wrecking motherfuckers. Single-handedly. His tech, like his energy burst, they, Thanos snap people away. They disappear. <laughs> oh, it was amazing. And he's <laughs> that was just, pretty cool. He's just fucking making people disappear. Oh, yeah. Making groups of people disappear. Like, he's, he, he's, he's a badass. Yeah. You're like, okay. Some of the iconic shots of him, like double fisting, shooting energy blasts, were really cool. This was one of the highlights of the movie. Was Kang in action was really badass. <laughs> but I will say this: this is where my problem is. The ants come to save the day again, and the ants 
because he has to put up a force shield. The ants are taking take out Kang for the moment being. The fucking ants. Yeah, That's right. Human-sized ants take out Kang the fucking conqueror. Now, oh. here's another missed opportunity. And once again, I'm fantasy booking it, so I'm going to save most of it for the end and bring it back around to you. If you know the story about who Kang the Conqueror is or who the main Kang the Conqueror is, you have to assume that he would know who Hank Pym is. So there's a moment where it does look like he looks at Hank Pym and there's something there, but they don't build on that story, and I wish they would have built more on that story. Jumping on that, so before the ants come, like Kang is like, I am a conqueror of worlds, destroyer of planets. You speak to ants. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, that's what leads the ants in with Hank. I think they missed an opportunity for Hank Pym to be like, I speak with ants. And then right, yeah. at least have like some like crescendo to that speech and to explain why the ants are now attacking. But let's be honest. Hank Pym, for the longest time, member of the Illuminati. Yep. And if anybody's exiling fucking anybody anywhere in the MCU or anywhere else, it's that group. Yeah. Hence, also in there with, we're going to talk about it more later, the great-grandfather... Of the person who allegedly that Kang should be, in theory, right? So therefore, he when he sees Hank Pym, there is a moment where it looks like he knows him, but they never build upon it. Yeah. I'm like, dude, that is the moment where you should have been like, oh shit, I know who you are. And kind of yeah. have, and Hank Pym should have looked at him and gone, I don't know him, but I know somebody who looks like him. And it should have been that moment where you went, oh, we're putting stories together for the future. Maybe that's not the direction they're going. Once again, we're there. But I feel like that's the easiest story to actually fucking tell. Yeah. And it would be like, really, I think a lot of the fans out there, especially the comic book nerds of us, the MCU fans will eat the story because it's a good story. But those comic book fans would also go, that is the best way to tell this fucking story. Yes, yes, yes. And there's there's other things we're going to get to that are all rumors and innuendo. That, and it's not that it ruined my version of the movie because I watched the movie based upon whatever, but I'm just, I'm with Diesel. The parts that I'm adding things in here just to kind of give you my, my thought process. But as far as the movie goes, where it's getting deducted is like Diesel said it looks like there's a bigger story that should have been told and they just skipped the parts and I understand you can go back and retcon because we're in the multiverse however that's just lazy writing I think that they missed opportunities here and that is you know my adding in is just me adding it in but it doesn't take away that the points are actually not being deducted because they didn't do what I wanted they're being deducted because they didn't actually give us anything yeah and, right. and for something that's supposed to be the kickoff to the King Dynasty it really doesn't so let's go into the final final. <laughs> we we get into the you know the area where the control room is, and this is where they figure out, oh, this is how we're gonna get back to our time. We're gonna open a door, we're gonna go back. And of course, we can call how this is gonna happen. You know what and I'm I'm not upset that I knew what was gonna happen. It's seen a million feet. They open the door, and of course Hank and Janet go through, Cassie Hope goes through, throughs, Cassie goes through, and as soon as Scott goes to go through, he gets fucking blasted onto his ass. And here's Kang, torn up. Well, <laughs> he's Missing some of his tech it's because not, not, uh, uh, Scott, well, he pushed Scott Cassie pushes through. Cassie in because he hears right. that he's coming, but he still gets blasted. Yeah, yeah, he does. Right, he doesn't. Right he doesn't get the fuck out of the way. No, which, no, you know, yeah, he, yeah. I, I mean, I get to pushing Cassie in, but he could have avoided the yeah. blast, or he could have just jumped through the door himself and tried to close that motherfucker on the other side. Right. Either way, he still gives enough time for himself to get blasted by a weakened king because now it's important to acknowledge king has no powers. Uh, that's the one thing that they seem to be keeping from the comics. They don't explain it to us, but they seem to be keeping that. 
his power is he's from the future and he has, and he future, has future tech. tech and he goes back and then he creates more tech because he uses that tech to create more tech he's not necessarily the smartest man on the planet but he's not stupid yeah. so he has time and he can jump through time and he as he jumps through time through the future and the past he collects different kinds of tech to create his tech to make his tech better than anybody else's that's the short abbreviated version yes. so we don't have to get into the muck right so they kept that so i like the fact that he is now weakened because he's missing some of his tech because the ants have he, fucked him <laughs> dude he looks tore up yeah <laughs> he got the ants fucked him up let's be honest so he is missing some of his tech so he doesn't have full-on power so it makes it a little more fair against that man however his hand-to-hand combat skills jonathan majors and kang he must have taught kang how to box like uh his character in creed 3 <laughs> because he is whooping scott lang's ass yeah and now mind you he's not using much of his powers he is using some lasers but it's every time he uses it it's fucking sparks and shoots yeah. shit because he's fucked up and I thought that it was a cool fight in that aspect. It was a cool fight. You, you see him fuck him up, and, like, you know, Scott goes to throw a punch. He blocks it and, like, just rips his shoulder out of socket. Like, he fucks Scott and, Lang And up. then, of yeah. course, we get that great scene from the trailer, which looked better in the movie, where he stomps on his face a few times, and you actually get to see the mask crack from inside the mask. And then you see the, see the shell of the mask outside, and he delivers the line. And I wish they didn't put this in the trailer, because it's so good in the movie, actually. I'll give him credit. Is he gives the line when he gets him off. He goes, what do you think you're going to do to me? I'm I'm like a god. I can do whatever I want. And he and and he's like, you're never gonna beat me. You're not gonna win. You're gonna lose. And he goes, I don't have to win. We just both have to lose. And it was a great line because it's like he yeah. under, at that moment Scott doesn't the doors the doors not open. You know, well the door he can't get through the door. He there's no door actually at that point. Well, no, the door's still open at that point. But he can't get to the door. So he knows instead of going through that door, his only mission now is to destroy whatever he needs to destroy so Kane can't leave. Yeah. Yeah. And if that means he dies, he fucking dies. But in that moment he has to be the hero. So it's the full four. It's the yeah. full circle of that earlier when he's like I don't know if I want to do any of this anymore. And now he's like, listen, even though I love my family, if you get through, we're all fucked. Yeah. So he's now in that mode. And then we get the only thing, other thing, other than bitching about her mother that Hope does. And that is he, out of nowhere, the Wasp returns to the thing as it closes yep. to then help beat down Kang, which they knock him into the device with pin particles. And he somehow, instead of that becoming bigger or smaller, he somehow gets sucked into the fucking. So Kang loses, like legit loses. Yep. How did you feel about that? Because I, I I don't know if I liked it. So at this point, like I'm like I understand what they're doing with the Marvel universe and getting rid of a lot of their key characters and going with the younger versions. So this entire movie, I'm like, all right, they're gonna get rid of Ant Man. The daughter's gonna be the new Ant Man. All right, whatever. This, I'm just like, all right, at least it's real at this point. Wasp goes in to save them. The door closes. All right, it's real, at least now. They're fighting for something. They love their family. They want them to be safe. We'll sacrifice ourselves to keep him here. And and it goes with the storyline because, like you just said, now they're both gone. So now we have Cassie carrying on in the Pym area, and they're now just trapped in the uh, the, uh, quantum realm. realm. Why am I drawing a blank? I think it's too much talking here. But uh, (laughs) no, seriously, though, we we turn around, and and you see everybody cheering because Kang is gone, and they won. So, I mean, they could be rulers of the quantum realm. And that's what I thought. I thought okay, this is how they write off Ant-Man and the Wasp, and we have now Cassie carrying on. And I'm like, okay, and I was with you. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm fine with that, because I, I thought that what we were going to see is maybe them, you know, maybe Hank and Janet and Cassie in the real world, and then see, like, the two of them ruling the quantum realm, you know, yeah. as the benevolent rulers of the quantum realm, and everybody having to read Scott's book. I thought, <laughs> literally, I'm being serious, I literally thought, because I thought that would be a fun ending of this movie. Yeah. But what do we end up getting, Diesel? 
door opens back up we're going back through everything's fine everything's hunky-dory and all the brutal beating that scott lang took seems to feel almost immediately yeah because the next thing you know he's walking down the street just like the beginning of the film and he looks like he has a shiner and a couple scratches but not like the the ass whooping that was really laid upon him and he's doing his inner monologue about once again i saved the world and you know everything is wonderful and they go he goes into baskin robbins and picks up a cake picks up a cake but the manager's like i made this cake you know his man special for you and it's been so long since i made a cake and then later on we find out it tastes like shit of course it did and then you know he goes in the coffee shop but this time he remembers that he is not Spider-Man. Spider-Man, he is Ant-Man, yeah. he's a but different bug, Bug-Man, he's Bug-Man, Bug- but he, he charges him 12 bucks. Yep, he <laughs> charges him for the coffee and breakfast like he should have been. And then we get the the only part of this dump is that's good is as he's walking, he starts to go, we did kill him, right? Yeah. We killed, like, he's not out there somewhere. Is he going to be coming? He, he this, just said something bad was going to happen. Did, did, we, did we just doom the world? Like, and there's all these questions, and I thought that that was a neat little dump before going to dinner where they're celebrating Cassie's birthday, and we, what we find out at the end, Diesel, it's not her birthday. And that's how the actual movie ends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not her birthday, we, but we've missed enough of them, so we're, we're just... Happy not birthday. Yeah. 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 And the cake's terrible. That's how the movie, that's how the actual movie ends. Yeah. And Before we get to the bonus. So, so you get down, you saw Scott take a huge beating, but then they just wrote him back into the real world. And you might've liked part of that inner monologue where he was like, well, did we do anything? You, you just said that the last two hours of what I watched probably didn't matter because <laughs> nothing changed. By the way, I am glad you said that because remember I said, and I said this on Patreon, I said my biggest eh about this movie is when you get to the end of this movie, legitimately, legitimately, we just spent two hours and five minutes to end up at the exact same spot we were at at the beginning. Yep. I understand we got some cool shit in the, in the middle. I understand that some of it was cool action and stuff like that. That's where the points come in. But at the end of the day, what we just watched mattered very little. Yeah. And, and it gets driven home even more, in my opinion, during the post-credit scenes that some people have gone nuts about. But at the same point in juncture, I'm like, they just also doubled down that what happened here didn't like make a difference. Am yeah. I wrong or am I no. just the yeah. one? It was a lot of stuff happened in this movie that didn't matter. And we've already had our first introduction to Kane through the Loki series. And we found out this guy was powerful enough to stop all these variant things and create the sacred timeline. So we know he's highly intelligent with his tech. He's able to do incredible things. And we just saw a guy lose who's supposed to be the you know the next villain in the big yeah. baddie in the Marvel Universe get beaten by ants. So we saw how cool Kang could look, a variant of Kang. But King didn't do shit. So every, all this badass villain stuff that happened, nothing really happened. And it was it was the Kevin Smith thing. You're watching a decent movie, getting a great blowjob, and then it's like it's not even like they stopped and gave you a handjob. She just puts her thumb over your urethra and just stops you. <laughs> like I wasted two hours on this. I. I got mad at the ending, and then we get the post credits. Yeah, yeah, and then we get the post credit scenes, and that's where we get into a little bit of the weeds. Now, mind you, there's two of them. There's one mid credit. There's one post. Uh, one post, and then we'll we'll go into the end of our, our thing and add anything else. And the mid credit scene is the one that's kind of what teases what's coming in the future for the MCU. So what we end up doing is we end up having we see first off we see uh, Ramantat. 
Yeah. And if you know Ramatut, that is a version of Kang. They're using him as a variant here, but in the MCU storyline, he, he was, was actually the first Kang, I think. The, he well, technically he's the Kang that goes the, he's the Kang that I thought they were going to build a storyline around. I thought that yeah. the, the Kang the Conqueror they're going to use because this is the Kang the Conqueror we've come to accept more in the comic books nowadays. And that is technically he goes back in time and he becomes Ramatut. Yeah. And then he, it, it's the same person who becomes uh, uh, Iron Lad, which they're going to go with a different Iron Lad here because Iron Lad for uh, the comic books is a young man named Nathaniel Richards. If that sounds familiar, it's because he's the great grandson of Reed Richards. What? And that is who that is who Kang the Conqueror becomes. So Kang becomes Kang and then he gets his ass kicked by the Avengers. When he gets his ass kicked by the Avengers, I'm oversimplifying and for yeah. those comic book people out there, I know it's, I'm leaving it's, stuff it's, out. It's, con- it's confusing. He goes back in time he be, to ancient Egypt to get tech from there plus to figure out a way to beat the Avengers and he makes himself Ramata. And then from there, he then loses the Avengers again, simplifying, oversimplifying once again. I don't want anybody from the comics bitching at me. This is oversimplification. Then he goes back after he fails the second time he kidnaps himself he kidnaps <laughs> iron lad nathaniel richards then he takes him to the past and that's where you have the ravana storyline yes. and then you find out when he go they go to the future that he loves ravana so much that even though ravona leaves him and ends up dying and everything he keeps putting her in timelines so therefore he never loses her and that's what his downfall is and now he needs to get rid of her because he he's trying to tell his younger self that hey the way you beat the avengers if you don't love love is what defeats us if we don't love we don't, don't win. It's, it's a cool story and i thought that that was a story and i i can speak freely for ken m he was also thinking that that was going to be yeah. the story they were telling because that is like more of an accepted story but maybe simplify it down and they had the opportunity here because janet van dyne could have replaced ravona and then on top of that you could have said that you know hey now mind you the council of canes can still exist i think it's a little early to tip the hand because that's what we get to so you see ramatut and he's going over and it's of course, it's Majors dressed up as a pharaoh, and he's going over the fact that the the exiled one has died. So now you know that one's dead because he says it. The exiled one has died, and you find out that he is actually talking to Immortus, which Immortus is the most powerful king, and he's the oldest and most powerful. Ele- you know, it's it's up for argument and debate, yeah. but that is how they've always kind of looked at Immortus. Yeah. So Immortus is like this this super version of Kang, if you will, which is, is it, weird that they would bring him out so early. Is that the one that like fought Doctor Doom and? Yes, I think I think it's that story. Or, yes, sorry, it's, yeah. it's, it's wild. I, I do believe you're right, but anyways, he is usually known in the comic realm as being the oldest and most powerful yeah. king. So you end up with that. So you're thinking the exile one was the one. Now, Mortis is technically a variant even in the comic books. So therefore, they got that 100% correct. And then the other one, even though he's wearing green, is supposed to be the Scarlet Centurion. Now, the problem with that is he shouldn't be wearing green and blue because the Scarlet Centurion wears fucking red, hence Scarlet. There's a reason he's called the Scarlet Centurion, which is also a variant of Kang. He's kind of like... I, I'm oversimplifying... Maybe it's that one that messed with Doctor... I can't remember. I'm I'm oversimplifying this, but once again... It's the Scarlet Centurion is kind of like a mix of Iron Lad, so Iron Man, yeah. and Kang, because he uses a lot of Stark tech. And on top of that, I would compare him kind of like to with, and I know this is going to get some comparisons. It's kind of like the Boba Fett character. He's like that kind of like he's the like a bounty hunter badass. You hire him when you need something done. You know, kind of oversimplifying once again. I don't want to fucking dive in the weeds because we'd be here all day. We already have a long podcast. But they they start like arguing like, well, who did you call? 
all, all of us. Yes. Uh, and it's a weird voice. I have So it's like the fucking emperor. And uh, once again, there's a lot of Star Wars here. And we go in the other room, and it, 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 I will give him credit. It was kind of funny. I got the multiplicity vibes, too. Because yeah. didn't you notice some of the Kangs weren't very smart? Yeah. <laughs> one of them, I think, was eating dirt off the ground. Yeah, I'm not joking. And they start cheering about the exiled one being dead. And then they also start cheering because now they know they're going to war. Yeah. They're going to war. So they tip their hand. They're going in a weird direction because really... I, I, I want to say this with this, and I know some people love it, and one, maybe, listen, maybe down the road we're proven wrong and this was the, the, the right way to go or whatever, whatever, but I feel like for the general audience, convoluting a story this much is going to be dangerous because there's a lot of convolution here because now you're like, wait a minute, we just came off of a story arc where you had the big bad. One person, Thanos. I understand they go back in time, but it's still one person, right? Or one being, I should say. Sorry, he's not really a person. So then you fast forward to this. We think we're getting, you know, the, and I'm not talking about me because I understand Kang's convoluted. When I first heard that Kang was going to be the bad guy, I know that myself and Ron and Ken were sitting there going, how the fuck do you tell that story? Because yeah. it's a convoluted story. And then that's why we figured, oh, they'll do the other story because it's a little dumber down version and you still get the Council of Kings because eventually he needs an army and he always goes to the Council of fucking Kings. Yeah. So... You giving us the Council of Kings early, even though it's a big, you know, jerk off moment for a lot of us nerdy folks. It also is fucking confusing as shit for the average fan. Like, wait a minute, so they have to defeat like a thousand of these motherfuckers? Yeah, yeah. Like, so I don't know if this was kind of the time to tease the Council of King. Maybe just throw the three. Maybe just throw Ramatut, Amortis, and Scarlet Centurion because that's what they seem to be, and go. Okay, this is where we're at. And then, if that wasn't enough. We get the second post-credit scene. And I did like it a little bit. I liked it a little bit, but I think they showed too much. I'm with Diesel. I came around to it. Because I love Loki. And we yeah. know Loki season two is going to tie right into this because that's the only thing prior to this tied really to Kang. I mean, I understand the multiverse stuff, but that was only to show that, because they even point that out during their meeting of the three Kangs, is that they finally found the multiverse. Like talking about, and they is always referring to the fucking Avengers, just so you know. They still are there, but that's who they are equating it to. So they're like, they are coming for us. They have finally figured out the multiverse or know about the multiverse. So now we go to the second part of it, and it's basically the teaser for Loki season two because we see Tom Hiddleston back as Loki, and unfortunately, we see Owen Wilson back. I think it was too quick. Yeah. I, wa- I wanted to, I wanted that to be the first episode, but whatever. We get there and they're back in time and they're dressed old timey yep. and they're going to see a different variant of He Who Remains, and because they're going off the script, and you even get that really nice overstudy of He Who Remains, you know, giving them the option of saying, you know, if you get rid of me, the 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 ones that are worse than me will come, yep. and it's kind of like one of those, you know, proving he was right. Uh, by the way, the exact quote is, if you think I'm evil, just wait till you meet my variants, is, was his quote yeah. to them. And it was he was right. He was absolutely right. And that was the whole point. So now they're hunting down different variants of Kang, it looks like, to try to get to the picture. Maybe we'll find the version of Kang out there. Like I said, side note... <clears throat> I was really hoping that they would go with the, the storyline for Nathaniel Richards because I think that's a great way to bring the Fantastic Four yeah. in because there's been some rumors out there. Once again, rumors that Denzel Washington's kid is supposed to be playing Reed Richards, yeah. which would make perfect sense if his descendant is Nathaniel Richards, King the Conqueror, because, you know, Jonathan Majors, they have they, they have things in common. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? And it would make sense. And I would love that because I think that would be a great fucking story to tell. Because think about it. Then you bring in the Fantastic Four because we know the movie's coming. You bring in the Fantastic Four during a post credit scene where basically Kang sees his fucking great-grandfather and goes, 
fuck. Yep. You know what I mean? Because obviously they know he he knows who his great grandfather is, and his great grandfather is going to look at him and go, "Obviously you're from my fucking." Because he's this world's smartest man, so he's going to go, "Obviously you're from my fucking yeah. bloodline." And, and you know we've got the the Council of Kings, and we all know in the comic books we also have the Council of Reeds. Yeah. So it'd be a cool little tie-in right there. Oh, I agree. I think that they, they uh, once again they can still get there. I just think that this was a little convoluted yeah. for my liking. Let's table this right now. Uh, does anybody else have any likes or dislikes about the movie that they want to share at this point in juncture? Starting with Ron. Overall, like there's this movie. They tried to add in the heist at the end. They're trying to get King's power source back, just because the first two were heist superhero heist movies. I think they didn't really need to do that part. Um, it, it just went. It's not, unfortunately, it's Ant-Man 3. It's not Ant-Man 1 or 2. It's not, you know, super great or anything, but it's there. It's a piece for a completionist. Like, you know, I am. I go, I'm glad I saw it. I'm glad I didn't. Um, the fact that it was two hours, I'm all in. I enjoy that. But, like, the fact that it wasn't 2.30, 2.45, like, thank God. 2.49. <laughs> Ring a bell? Yeah. Uh, Diesel, any more likes or dislikes you want to throw in before we move on? Dislikes. If you're going to try to make strong, powerful women, give us strong, powerful women. This movie, like, all the women in this movie were just not good characters, and we know you can do it. Like, you've done it in the Marvel Universe before. Scarlet Witch was a strong, powerful woman. Cassie Lang is not that. She is a petulant child with rose-covered glasses that I can't believe that she... <laughs> without having training, defeats MODOK. And then you have Janet Van Dyne, who was just hateable in this whole thing. And then you just brushed the psychic character in the movie title, Ant-Man and the Wasp, off like he was nothing. Agreed. Yeah. I think all the hard work that they did with a couple other scenes from movies and movies themselves, like uh, Ms. Marvel and stuff like that, they kind of really took a big step backwards here in that that logic. I could agree with you there. I think I've uh, basically gotten all my dislikes and wants and everything out of the way. So let's move right along because before we can give our scores, we have to find out the scores from the internet. And you know how we like to do that. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. That's right, it's time to play the game. And Diesel, unfortunately for you, when you're absentia, Ron regained the crown. He did get uh, three out of five right. So, unfortunately, you are uh, the challenger here. Uh, So can you take the crown back? We'll find out soon. The game is played simply like this. Uh, These two gentlemen are going to play, guess the scores around the internet. Whoever comes closest without going over, better known as Price is Right Rules, will get the point. Uh, The first person to get three points or the first person to get... You know, the equivalent of three points because of the tiebreaker system will win and be the champion. Of course, the last question is always the closest to the number for you gentlemen if there's a tiebreaker because we don't do fucking ties. So, with that being said, are you gentlemen ready to play the game? Oh, yep. All right, let's start off with IMDb as we normally do. And since Diesel is the challenger, he shall go first. IMDb, out of 10 using points, what did they give? Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Four and a half, 4.5. Ronald. I'm going five. Four and a half, five, and Ron gets the point. 6.6 out of 10. Ron, you get to go next. Uh, Metacritic out of 100%. What did they give Quantum Mania? 45. Diesel. One dollar, Bob. One (laughs) percent. You got one. I didn't know if I went low enough. He's got 45 and... 
Ron gets a second point. It was 48 out of 100. <laughs> oh. So I'm just going to say, Ron has the easy lane to possibly win. Can he pull it off? But to do that, he's got he's to be right on with the good folks on over at Rotten Tomatoes. So, Ron, the first question up for you is Rotten Tomatoes. Using, uh, out of percentage, no, what did... Diesel's turn. Yeah, oh, Diesel's turn. Yeah. Sorry, Diesel, I'm skipping you over. <laughs> so you get the critic score first. Out of 100%, what did they give Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania? I know this one's low. 40%. 40%. Ron. 40. I'm going 41. I'm going cheesy. You're dick. <laughs> Either we're both over or... Yeah. Well, with that... Ron wins. That, that was a cheesy maneuver. Forty-seven percent was the yeah. critic score. All right, so we are still going to play because we'll see if Ron can get the flawless victory. Ron, you get to go next. Uh, first, the audience score from Ron Tomatoes out of one hundred percent. What did they give Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania? Seventy-five. Diesel. Give you a little wiggle room. Seventy-seven. <laughs> I know the audience liked. Yeah, I know that's. I know that's. I didn't know how high though. By the way. Diesel gets the successful block of the clean sweep, flawless victory. So Diesel for funsies now, uh, because you blocked that. What? What, what, what was the score? You didn't tell us oh, the score. Eighty-four oh. percent. I didn't care about telling you the score. You <laughs> yeah, but I wanted to blocked. know. I wanted to know how far I was off. You were off by enough that you were off. <laughs> the audience is a horrible <laughs> recommendations horrible. on movies. So with that, Diesel. With that, let's talk about the last thing, and that would be Google users. Out of 100%, what did Google users give this? Even 80. 80. 81. 81. And uh, with that, I'll just say, Ron would have gotten four out of five, right? Because it was 84%, just like Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> so Rotten Tomatoes and that have the same score. Now that we've found out everything around the internet, it is now time, finally, for us to give our scores of this movie. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like... Uh your opinion, man. Okay, so we're going to first give the nerd score, followed by my critic score, and the nerd score is a recommendation score. Uh, we use our entertainment score and our, crit our critic score to put them together, and whatever comes out is a recommendation score out of five. Now, with that... This simply explains the fact that a movie could be critically bad, but actually super entertaining, which would make us say, hey, you should go see this, and vice versa. We have had a couple of those recently. So, which I never thought was going to happen, but it has happened now. Babylon, you're one of them that I'm looking <laughs> at you. Now, let's pop on over to the nerd scale. The five parts are simple. A one is no. That means it's a terrible movie that you should never waste your time seeing. A two is you've been warned. That means the movie isn't terrible, but it ain't good. So you've been warned. A three is ah, it's good, which means, you know, it's not a terrible movie. It's an average movie, average to good movie. If you see it, you're not going to hate the fact that you saw it, but it's also not essential. You don't need to run out and see it in the theater. You don't need to buy it. If it happens to be on Disney Plus or whatever, you can go ahead and check it out then. And like I said, it's not a waste of your time, but it's also not worth going out and adding to your collection or going to see in the theater. A four is just take my money. These are for the very good to great films. These are films that, you know, you're going to want to go out and add them to your collection. You want to see them in the theater if they're there. Spending money on them is worth it because you're going to watch this movie more than once in your life. You might even add it to your rotation. And last but certainly not least is the rarefied air, known only as certified nerd. These are the legendary films. These are the movies that, you know, when you think about them, it's everything. You've watched a million times. You're like, Jaws, Jurassic Park, that's the ilk we're talking about. It is once again important to note that so far in 2023, we have not had a unanimous certified nerd movie 
Also, we haven't even had a vote for Certified Nerd. There has been no fives on any program, even counting the older films. We have Certified <laughs> Nerd nothing in 2023. So that is kind of interesting because we usually get there. Although we did do a little weird selection this year for doing like rewind and stuff because 1983 being that me and Diesel are turning 40. So there's, there's things that we didn't pick on purpose. So with that... That is the nerd scale. It is now time to give the nerd scores. Starting with Ron, what is your nerd score for Quantum Mania and why the floor is yours? All right. So I know I gave it a thumbs up to see because as a completionist, I think you need to see it. I understand where people fall on this. So that doesn't portray what I'm about to say. So I know I'm going to catch hate one way or the other from this. It is a two. Ooh, I've been warned. The overall story you've heard them go off and i didn't have to add two cents because it, it, i agree with them 100 yeah. percent. like i was at first i'm not gonna lie i was at a three when i was walking out the movie but after the weekend and digesting it and really thinking about it and then talking with these a little bit here and there i went yeah this is definitely a two at best it's not the best marvel movie it is probably just above eternals i could also see the argument that it's equal or less than eternals for the people that like eternals so it, it's a two you've been warned do what you want to do. Uh, you know, like I said, I walked out of it. I wasn't upset that I saw it. The fact that it was two hours out, in and out, good, boom, go. You know, if you got something to do. All right, Diesel, it's now time for your nerd score and why. Yeah, and I was. I thought I was uh, the hardest on it immediately after. But this movie had one thing that the Eternals didn't, and that was sheer anger after leaving the theater. <laughs> that being said, I'm giving it a two. Ooh, I- I've been warned. We listed all our gripes and our likes. It did have a few things I did like, but overall, this movie, even if you're a completionist, I I don't see how it connects the whole universe together. I think you can just skip this one and be fine and wait for the next movie. Well, you know, I'm the contrarian once again. (laughs) Yeah, folks. Um, Listen, at the end of the day, I had a lot of problems with this movie. There was a lot of things that didn't deliver. However, was I entertained? Yeah, I was entertained enough. I'm not saying I was fucking over the boat, over the top entertained. It is, uh, for me, though, I didn't have the anger Diesel had. uh, (laughs) So it wasn't Venom, Let There Be Carnage, because I walked out of that movie fucking angry. I'd rather see that again than this. (laughs) No, I'm, I'm not on that same wavelength as you. I also would not compare this to The Eternals. I still think The Eternals is far, far worse than this film because it, although this film was convoluted and like I said in the design of the film somehow and this is not like they're the I don't think this is what they were trying for but in the design of the film you really walk out of it thinking man I just watched a two hour and five minute movie that was literally we with from the point we started to the point we finished it's the same yeah. like you could have ended we could have just not watched the movie we would have had the same points the only thing it did was introduce us to some things and there was some fun stuff you know so when you look at it like that I'm kind of like alright I gave it a little higher just because I'm like it's not terrible at the end of the day I was entertained I did not, I personally, I said earlier, not making my critic score any worse. There was things I thought that should have happened or things that I thought that should have been seen. I know that happens a lot. But as far as that, it did not affect my critic score at all. My critic score is really based because if they would have added something, even if it wasn't what I wanted to see, but if they would have added some substance to some of the scenes, then guess what? This movie would have been a lot better if there was a reason why. Also, the fact that the big bad, even if it's a fucking variant, the fact that the big bad is beaten by the family movie guy, the Ant-Man. And yeah, with a tiny help from the Wasp, but mostly just Ant-Man, okay, is a problem. That is like, you know, I may equate it to this. 
comic book fans all know Thanos lost to Squirrel, Squirrel Girl at one point in the comic <laughs> books, okay? That is like MCU, if they would have gone ahead with a Squirrel Girl movie before Avengers Infinity War and Endgame came out and went, okay, so at the end of this movie, guess what? She's going to fight Thanos and she's going to win. She's not going to kill him, but she's going to fucking win. Clean. Win. Clean. <laughs> clean win. So she's going to win. And then we're going to come back and tell the story about how bad of a motherfucker yeah. is. So... I, I don't know. Some people might be like, but Rich, just forgive that. I just can't because I just feel like you need to make the big bad feel like the big bad. True. The coolest part about Thanos is he was only in post credit scenes for the majority of the first phase of MCU until we finally saw him being a badass. And it took a lot of badasses and he defeated them all. And yeah, you could argue that the beginning of Endgame is a little weird when, you know, Thor chops his fucking head off. But it was a weakened Thanos who not made one but two fucking snaps. And we saw what one snap did the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. We saw what one snap did the Iron Man. Think about it. He did two snaps. He was weak in state. He couldn't defend himself and he got his head fucking lapped off for his problems and then it created the whole problem for Endgame so I thought actually on the end of the thing that was brilliant by the Russos and the writers of that movie to go you know what we should do we should kill that motherfucker off and then make time travel I thought that created a problem yeah. and they needed a problem because obviously nobody can make the snap and be fine after that they already made that a statement in the first movie and, and plus during that movie you had that holy shit factor they just killed off Thanos in the first 20 minutes of this movie and how the fuck are we going to fix this yep. <laughs> so you know but here in this case that's how I equate it. Imagine them adding Squirrel Girl into Phase One, having her defeat fucking Thanos, and then going, okay, but now he's going to come back as a bad motherfucker. Yeah. Now he's going to come back and he's going to wreck Face. He's going to kill Vision. He's going to snap away half of existence. He's he's later on. He's going to be responsible basically for Tony Stark's death as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're gonna. You know, that's what's going to happen here. No, that just doesn't work. And that's what they're kind of doing in a way. And I get it. There's more variants, but. Once again, that's too convoluted for the normal person. And yeah, I understand the variance, but it doesn't mean that I didn't want to see like a definitive. I don't need them to win. I just need them both to lose. Yeah. So their own line kind of works against them. Yes. And that doesn't mean he loses life. Trap him somewhere. Exile him somewhere. I mean, maybe that's the story they're going to tell, but they kind of ruined that because the bonus scene, they definitively say he's dead. No. And if they know all, they know if he's dead, right? If Amortis knows everything, he should know when another Kang is fucking bit the dust. Just throwing it out there. Well, that gives my score because I haven't given it yet. I am giving it a three. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. How good is it? My critic score is simple. It is a five. <coughs> this is a middle of the road fucking film, man. There was there there was things that they could have done that would have brought it up to a six or seven. I don't think it, I think a seven was the best they could hope for, even with adding in some sustenance to this fucking story. Right. I don't think they could have gotten more out of it. However. They could have gotten less out of it. The only thing that really saves them is I was entertained enough. Whether it be the aliens of the quantum realm, whether it be there were some pretty cool fight scenes in the movie that I dug, that kept me going. And the fact that, like Ron mentioned, it was only a two-hour film. Uh, it, it, it could have been a little shorter, honestly, because obviously we would have been in the same position if it was an hour and 45. However, in my mind, I'm going, you know what? I didn't think it was a waste of time. And that is exactly what the definition of a five on my scale is. Five out of ten in my critic scale. And that's the exact definition of, ah, it's good. Yeah. Is that it's? I didn't regret seeing it. It didn't fucking phase me. So I don't think other people who would be interested in going, and that's who would be listening to us, would, rec it would, would be, you know, whatever, seeing it. 
But yeah, I don't think it was anything to write home about. And like I said, I did go through the whole movie, but there's there there's chunks of this movie I legitimately can't remember. Like a lot of times in an MCU movie, I can regurgitate off of one viewing the pretty much the entire movie, including small little parts. Yeah. I actually did have to look up some of the quotes from the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's how it ended up crumbling. But I said what I said. These guys said what they said. I'm the highest out of all of them. Maybe you guys thought it was a cinematic masterpiece. I'm sure there's the MCU lovers out there that think everything's a fucking cinematic masterpiece. So I'm sure they're going to at me. But uh, if you want to give your uh, two cents in, keep it spoiler free on the internet. So if you want to hit us up on Twitter or Facebook and stuff, just because I don't want to be that asshole. I know the movie came out a little bit ago, but I still don't like spoiling movies for people. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to talk spoilers, hit us up on that email. What is that email again, Diesel? 3FatNerdsPod at gmail.com. There you go. And if you want to just talk without spoilers hit us up on twitter instagram facebook and you'll probably get a response as long as you at me uh with that if you would like to find out where we are in twitter instagram facebook and all that you can find out all the social media links and everything you need to know about the 3fn podcast over at 3fnpodcast.com it's your one-stop shop for everything 3fn so make sure you visit 3fnpodcast.com and uh ron i do believe you have some business before i end this show one out of ten stars a waste of film this was rather interesting experience Take a bunch of kids who can't act, add some truly horrendous special effects, add some of the large plot holes seen in a movie, and you have simply unwatchable pile of garbage. The movies definitely get better, but the first two simply should not have been made. To show that I'm not merely sprouting steam, I just want to point out the largest of said plot holes. It is rather important point to the story that Snipe helped protect the stone. It is basically all that is talked about by Hagrid, yet... However, the director forgot to put Snipes' protection of the stone into the movie. It really is too bad that this turned out to be bad enough that I have a hard time calling it a movie. One out of ten stars. Harry Potter just sucks, people. By the way, Diesel, there was a doozy last week where some guy in his review said that despite the fact that uh, Daniel Radcliffe looked like Harry Potter (laughs) from the book, (laughs) that uh, he did not like that. (laughs) <laughs> then defended the books. Yes. Okay. Okay. It was, it was wild. It was wild. You don't have to reread it. Yeah, He's still going to go back and listen to it. It's just wild. I think you would have had a fun time with that. Well, we've already kind of let it out the bag, but next week on the 3FN Movie Club Review, we will be reviewing the new movie, Cocaine Bear. And I can't I can't stress this enough. We were all excited for Cocaine Bear. I don't think it's going to be a sort of the first certified nerd movie. Oh, it is. Because uh, I'm going to tell you I'm going to tell you this right now. I don't find it to be certain, but I, I'm just hoping for entertainment out the fucking wazoo. And yeah. I think we're going to get that. So I'm happy to see an entertaining film this week. And then the following week, we will be seeing Creed 3, which may or may not be a certified nerd. It would be the first uh, Creed movie as a certified nerd. We've ranked them all, I think, pretty much at the four level. You guys uh, have. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> haven't seen them. But me and Radiesel love those movies. Yeah. So. Really so, so, okay. so I can't wait to see I that two as well. movies I'm going to watch before, though. Back to back, back to back weeks. We have some awesome stuff coming straight at you. But that's going to do it for the end of this episode and our review of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Until next week, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and most importantly, later, nerds! Later. I have eight holes. Harry Potter just sucks me. Yeah.